everybody. Have a Taishu podcast guest number 14, Sergeant Morgan Weibel. I have him here on the monologue listening to it for the first time ever. This is unique. He's a Marine Sergeant, E5. I met him as a corporal. I even got to be there for his promotion ceremony. His, uh, we talk about his upbringing and why he joined the Marine Corps. Uh, we talked about his experience with the Air Force here at Coonsaw Air Base for an entire year. And I even asked him about the differences between the Air Force and the Marines and like senior leadership, different opinions, all sorts of different stuff. He shares his ideas and his philosophies of just being a good person and uh, those concepts of like how you need to just care about other people more than yourself once in a while. Some of this is a little drawn out because him, Morgan and I are friends and uh, we just talk as two friends would talk uh, while sharing a bottle of whiskey. Regardless, this is about a two-hour conversation between me and Morgan. He's here drinking his whiskey right now. This is the first time I've done mm-hmm. a monologue, as you can hear him. Mm-hmm. And I uh, hope you enjoy this podcast that we've already recorded. Morgan, what do you think they're going to think? I think they're going to love it. Well, yeah, they're going to love it or they're not. Yeah. One of two things. If you're not, you're probably a staff NCO. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy our conversation. Yeah. Bye. After about two months of saying, let's do this, I leave in 48 hours-ish. Well, at least my I move out of this room in 48 hours. Sad I'm moving out. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it. But then I got Morgan Weibel, a sergeant in the United States Marine Corps. Um, he's going to be episode number 14 is where you're at. I know you're lucky numbers like 1307, mm-hmm. really random number. Yeah, I'll um, explain more about that yeah, later. <laughs> yeah, I hope you do. So we have exactly two hours and 15 minutes total recording time to talk about whatever we want. Nice. Um, before I let you introduce yourself, uh, he is one of the first Marines ever to come to Korea and get raided with the Air Force. First one, one of the first two in Korea in Kunsan to do it. Osan went first and we got you and Corporal Sergeant Aracho now. Mm-hmm. And yep. so, yeah, that that's Morgan Weibel, that's what I find like is most interesting about him. Usually I, like I said, I try to get like leaders and important people and you are important, but also you have this really interesting story. You spent a year with us Air Force people. So I'm excited to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And before we get any further, let me have you introduce yourself. Well, uh, yeah, as you, as you guys heard, my name is Morgan Weibel. Uh, I was born in Los Angeles, uh, California, and I lived there all 18 years of my, of my young, young child life. And you know, at, at eighteen, I decided to enlist in the United States Marine Corps because I, I felt that I needed a different path. I was kind of going. I was kind of going nowhere, like in high school. You know, when you're in, when you're growing up in high school, uh, you are searching for an identity. You're searching for a role to fit into, a place to belong, and you know, growing up, everybody always says like. And especially in the 21st century, the importance of like a college education and doing well academically is it's in, it's at the forefront of people's minds, you know, and that was not that was not a standard that I was living up to uh, during my sophomore and junior year of high school. I'd really I'd really screwed around and messed a lot of things up. So come the end of junior year, I met my recruiter and because he came to a he came to a school event one day and we started talking and I decided not then and there but over the course of a few months I decided that perhaps joining the military would be a better option for me uh, on a personal level because it would give me uh, certain values and uh, and uh, abilities that I could uh, take into the real world and you know be successful with and so that's how that's kind of how I got here a lot of stuff. 
lot of stuff happened. A lot of stuff transpired that we'll go over in more detail as this podcast goes on. But uh, eventually, I found myself with the opportunity to come to Korea and work with the Air Force, and it's been a it's been a wild ride the past year. It's yeah, crazy. We, we will get to that. I have a lot of things to ask about that. That's yeah. what I'm most excited to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you said you were messing up in high school. What kind of dumb things were you doing? Uh, well, if I ever, for the sake of uh, being able to still get a top sec- top secret security clearance, if I ever need one. Uh, I won't, I don't want to say everything. It's not going to be the full scoop, but uh, I was just, I was not doing my homework uh, Mm -hmm. at all. Like I would go, I would come home from school every day, flip on the TV or like go and hang out with my friends. And I would just be like, screw homework. That shit doesn't matter. You know? Um, So there was a lot of, there was a lot of that. There was just a lot of general laziness uh, uh, being demonstrated. And I, I, I was hanging out with some friends who, who prioritized like partying and whatnot, and uh, I I hung out with them. I hung out with them a lot in my free time, and you know they didn't they didn't really care about school or their education either. Uh, and that that attitude kind of seeped off seeped off on, onto me. Um, and my mom my mom she raised me as a single mother. She had primary custody. I would visit my dad every other weekend, and. Uh, because my mom was raising me as a single mother, uh, she works. She works at UCLA. She works a full time job. So, like from from the hours of like three p.m. when I got off school uh, to about six p.m. or so, sometimes sometimes even as late as eight p.m., uh, I would just be alone in the mm-hmm. apartment because that, she wouldn't get off work until then, uh, and it would take her a while to like take the bus back home and. Um, yeah, so I would just have like three to five hours every day, like to myself, when I could get away with what, basically whatever I wanted, and uh, I was not using that time. I was not using that time wisely, uh, for the most part. That's fair, but you probably also learned some cool things that other people who had their parents with them all the time don't know or didn't learn as a teenager. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a positive side to it as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I um, I'm a lot more comfortable on my own mm-hmm. in solitude sometimes because I guess. Even though even though I had some even though I had some friends I was not I was not a popular kid in high school mm. I was not a popular kid growing up in fact uh, I got I got bullied a lot um, when I was when I was younger so I was very very like I had to get very very comfortable sometimes with being alone and being in solitude uh, in some ways it was it was better that way than actually interacting with people but that I mean my attitude my attitude about that has changed a lot as I've uh, grown up and and gone through my enlistment and made made new friends and uh, decided to like set boundaries as far as people are concerned. Yeah, it's cool. I feel like the Marines taught you to do that. Military taught you to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's something I'm still working on, uh, especially the setting boundaries part. Like, people are always going to try and uh, encroach on you uh, uh, to get closer and find ways to take advantage of you. So you really do have to. You some you sometimes still have to be on your guard and. You have to be you have to be cognizant of that, you know. Like not everybody not everybody is coming to you with the best of intentions, you know. It's it's something to be aware of. But uh, I will say that because I because of my enlistment and because of the experiences I've had thus far, like I I'm much more familiar with that. I can mm-hmm. I can sense it easier now, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, but like I said, I was, it was being in solitude sometimes. Uh, it helped. It helped me a lot uh, because, you know, 
being three to five hours a day, sometimes spent alone. Um, it kind of, it was a weird transition to hear because like when you are living in a foreign country, uh, especially Korea or Japan, um, and you're, and you're going out and you, or you want to do something like, it's easier for me to just like walk off base and just do it, do it on my own. Um, instead of like having to look for somebody to do it with or, uh, not feeling safe about it. Uh, because I recently took a, a six day, no, nine day, uh, trip up to Seoul, uh, alone. And I got to say it was, it was honestly really, really fun. Like I saw, I saw a couple of the, it was when I first got there, it was like a Friday night and, uh, it was the weekend. I had taken the train up there alone from, from Gunsan, uh, and I arrived at, at Seoul station, uh, took a taxi to my hotel alone, threw, my, threw in my bags in my hotel room. And basically as soon as I did that, I just started, I just started going out on my own and just doing, just doing whatever, uh, later on, later on throughout the weekend, like a couple friends from, uh, the RapCon were there actually. And they, uh, decided to meet up with me and I'm, and we all hung, we all hung out and have had a good time. Uh, but I was also simultaneously very, very comfortable just doing my own thing and exploring, exploring this place on my own. Yeah. That's really cool. Me and Langford talked about traveling and then traveling alone separately. And there's mm-hmm. something special about traveling alone that I first learned when I was at NCOA. So this was not that long ago. Non-commissioned officer academy is 2018. Yeah. I like never wanted to travel alone. I don't think I had even traveled alone at that point in my life. Uh, and then we went on this group trip, me and John Hopper, Corey Keaton, and uh, someone else. I should know his name, Paul. I forget his first name, but we all went on this trip together to Switzerland. We took my camper van there. We we're going to go camping for the three day weekend. Mm-hmm. And John Hop, we go to Switzerland. We go into the city, and as soon as we like park and take get out of the bu- get off the bus, I guess we didn't drive because we were drinking. John, we all started walking one way, and Hopper was like, "All right, I'll see you guys later." He just walked his own way, right? Wow. And I was just like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, like, you know, I was like really confused, like, "Oh, maybe he's mad at us." Mm-hmm. And I was like 27, 28 at this time. Yeah. Dude just walked off on his own. I was like, maybe, maybe he's going through. So I don't know. I just, I'll, mm-hmm. he, he did it very confidently. I let him go. And we hung out together. We were kind of arguing about what we should do next, where we wanted to go, what bar and restaurant we should eat at. Yeah. And then eight hours later, we meet up with Hopper. I'm like, hey man, what'd you do? He's like, oh, I did this, this, this. I went hiking up this mountain. Yeah. And I was like, why'd you go off on your own? I just got to ask. He's like, oh, I don't know. You guys just seemed undecisive on what you wanted to do. I'm mm-hmm. never going to be in Switzerland again without my wife. Yeah. I wanted to go see stuff. And so, like, I thought that was super interesting, and I talked to him for, like, an hour about, like, just being by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, that is a fun way to do it. And I started traveling by myself more often after that. Yeah. So it's, it's cool that, yeah, that you 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 prefer that almost. Yeah, almost, yeah. Uh, and Yeah, in many ways, I do, in many ways, I do prefer that because you know, there's no there's no social pressure to mm-hmm. do things that you don't want to do. Yeah. Like, uh, a friend of mine was telling me about his experience when he was in Seoul, and he went up there with... He went up there with with one of his own friends, uh, and they were in the district of Itaewon, which is a very like tourist heavy, yep. foreigner heavy district of Seoul. So it doesn't, in some ways, it doesn't even feel like Korea because you'll you'll walk down you'll walk down Itaewon's main street and there's like there's uh, Turkish kebab yeah. spots and uh, Nike's tacos, yeah, tacos. <laughs> uh, it's America Street. Yeah, it's it's America Street. You know, it's it. That's basically what it is. Yeah. It's like the opposite of K-Town in LA. Yep. Um, it's America town. Yeah, <laughs> in it's, Korea. <laughs> in Korea. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's really awesome. But all this person, 
so my friend was uh was really like down with exploring and hanging out and and seeing all these cool things in in Itaewon and the rest of Seoul. However, there was a it was a four day weekend. The only thing the other friend uh, wanted to do was go out at night and uh, party like crazy, like party hard. Um, so, being the, being the nice guy that 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 he is, he decided like, okay, yeah, I will. I will, I will humor you. We will, we will go out and we will drink. But as long as we get to also do like touristy stuff, unfortunately for him, uh, his friend constantly got like super, super wasted every night and, uh, was extremely hungover well into like the, well into the afternoon of, of, of every day. So that kind of like, I kind of wasted a lot of time, um, that could have been spent, you know, exploring, unfortunately. So, uh, that, that is, that is one reason why sometimes I prefer to travel in solitude because I wouldn't want, I don't want someone, something like that holding me back from doing what I want to do. Uh, cause our time, our time in, in, in this foreign country is limited. You know, you want to spend it the right way. You don't want to mm. be, you don't, you don't want to be spending it constantly hungover. That's yeah. not fun. Yeah. Yeah. Just this to some people. Uh, yeah. It is, Everyone's it different. So you got to find yeah. people either go by yourself or find people that you get along with. My friend, Alex, mm-hmm. uh, he's, like a year older than me and maybe two years older than me. And we would, we would, we would travel a lot together in Europe and he would like to do a lot of things that I wasn't really fond of, like seeing the sites and the tourist stuff. Mm. And I usually didn't want to do that. But then towards the end, I was like, actually, I really kind of enjoy this stuff. I just, so sometimes traveling with people that are different than you that make you do these mm-hmm. things you don't want to do, you learn something from it. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I was more of that, like, let's go camping on like these exotic trips where you're kind of stuck isolated with a bunch yeah. of strangers yeah you know and he like kind of like that but that mm-hmm. wasn't his thing so yeah it's like a little give and take yeah absolutely yeah there's there's definitely something that you can learn from there are things you can learn and take away from traveling with a group of people uh like the, i had the i had the uh the inverse experience when i was when i went to osaka one weekend uh with a group of friends that is very strong whiskey, by the way. Yeah. Right. We're drinking it, drinking it neat. That's very strong stuff. It's good though. And get some ice and coke if you prefer it. Uh I will probably splat get a couple splashes of water in it. That's how I that's how I prefer it. It it, okay. it opens up the flavor a bit. Um anyway, yeah. So I was in Osaka one weekend and I'll try anything twice. Oh yeah. yeah. That's yeah, that's like perfect right there. It's like a tiny sip. Yeah. Um and anyway. I was there and I was with my, I was with my buddies. We were drinking a lot. We were having a good time. I first got, I, I traveled there alone because I, I totally messed up, uh, and bought a plane ticket for the day prior because <laughs> they were planning on flying out on a Saturday, uh, a Saturday night. And I flew out on a Friday night. So I flew out there, got a, got a hostel, uh, alone. And as soon as I walk in to the hostel, um, I met these like, these really, really awesome Canadian people. And they were like, Hey, what do you do? You know? And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm uh, American. I'm in the Marine Corps, blah, blah, blah. And so like, that was kind of like the icebreaker. Uh, that was the icebreaker. We like got to talking and eventually we all went out drinking. And by pure chance, I ended up seeing, uh, some of the air traffic maintenance guys at the same walking around like the same, uh, uh, convenience stores. Here? Uh, no, no, no. In, in oh, oh. Osaka. Yeah. Um, but I saw them and I was, we all, we all just linked up when we started having a good time and we went, we went bar hopping and, uh, I'm not, I'm not COVID. 
Yeah, this was this was pre-COVID. This was uh this was May 2019 around there. Yeah. And it was just a really good experience because when when you when you do something like that like bar like bar hopping or clubbing, you want to you want to have a group of people yep. with you, you know, cuz uh there's something there's something slightly animalistic about about being in a club and being in a bar. Um you want to be there with a pack. It it makes you feel like more secure, more safe, um, and it and sharing drinks with your friends is a lot better than just sitting there drinking alone. That's yeah. that's not that's not fun. Yeah, I couldn't imagine going to a club by myself. Yeah, I'd, I'd be getting uh, rejected three times. Now <laughs> I have nobody around to talk to. Yeah. I'm just this guy standing there that nobody liked. Yeah, that's it's that's never that's never a good feeling. I um, whenever whenever I got uh, lost in a lost in a club in, in the gas lamp district of San Diego, I would be like, Oh, what am I, what am I doing now? Yeah. Hey man, have you seen my friend? And they're like, why? I can't hear you. <laughs> this blaring music is really loud. And I'm like, Oh man, so sucks. W- yeah. When you're in Japan at the clubs, uh, the Japanese women, Okinawan women typically like, uh, Marines. I uh, sometimes, sometimes, uh, Okinawan women, I would say, there's not that many clubs in Okinawa, to be honest, but I would say no. No? Not yeah. really. Yeah. I, I heard a story once. AJ, you know her. She was saying that mm-hmm. um, the Japanese people in Okinawa think, like, to, in order to join the Marines, you have to kill a family member. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that one before. <laughs> yeah. Is it true? Uh, I have a belt with uh, it's green, and uh, the color the color of the belt indicates how many family members that you've killed. And if you kill your entire family, you get a, you get your black belt. What color is your belt? It's oh it, no, it's it's just green. So I, so I killed mom's my still breathing. Yeah, my mom's still breathing. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, dad's dad's underground, like he's six feet under. So yeah. why why do you think that's a, a rumor going around that island? <laughs> Dude, I, I, <laughs> and I was, it, like they they actually believe it. They they do. Oh man, uh, that's. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm really not sure. Um, I think it maybe it might have stemmed from uh, from the rumor that uh, in order to join, you had to you just had to kill somebody in general. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, it, it was probably like a it was probably like a really big gigantic game of telephone, and the rumor spread to Okinawa, and then it was just like, oh, they have to kill their family members. What to, to enlist? What? That's crazy. <laughs> That's yeah. why they don't like you. Yeah, that must be. Yeah. Could you imagine a military force that had that many people and all of them had actually killed a family member? That'd be an intimidating that force. Yeah, that would be. That would be seriously a uh that would that would be an enemy I would not want to go to battle with. Agreed. Yeah. Or to go to battle against. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want them on my side. I would yeah. also want them yeah. on my side. And I don't want to be their family either. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I, when she told me that, I was like, that's not a thing. So I'm glad I could finally confirm that that's a thing. A story that I was born in Okinawa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you told me yeah. that once when we were uh, golfing. Do you ever <laughs> miss it? Uh, no, nah, I was, I lived there three times. I was born there. Don't remember that. Came mm-hmm. back as a third grader to like sixth grade. Yeah. I guess I've only been there twice then. Oh, then when I was in high school, I went there for a, a soccer tournament. Oh, nice. I've been there three times. I've lived there twice. But yeah. I guess I don't miss it. I was just so young. I didn't, I could have been happy anywhere mm-hmm. you know, being a kid. Yeah. Huh, yeah. Um. So we're on this podcast. I meant to ask you this early and I missed it. The opportunity. You listen to a lot of Joe Rogan podcasts. No, I, I wouldn't say a lot, but I do listen. I do listen occasionally. Put it on it as a like background. Um, he's got some. He's got a wide variety of guests and yeah, very interesting amount of topics. That's what I'm jealous of. Like that's what I would like to do. Just talk to these people who are like these experts or 
celebrities or whatever have mm-hmm. you in their own career or their own passion. You just get to ask them shit for an hour or two and then however many millions of people listen, like yeah. that would be really cool. And yeah. I, I'm jealous of him for that. For sure. Yeah. He's gotten, he's got a, an amazing variety of guests. Like I haven't, I haven't listened to, to these two particular episodes, but he had an episode recently with, uh, with Demi Lovato. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone knows who Demi Lovato is. But she came on and she talked about like her experience in the music industry, uh, the the good the good the bad and the and the ugly of it all, uh, and how it hit, how it affected her uh, problems with heroin addiction, um, you know because we all everyone knows that she uh, she OD'd, mm. and that was very the way the internet reacted to that in particular was uh, pretty nasty. It was a very nasty thing. Yeah, but also I, I know the name. And this is like one of those embarrassing things when people say, everyone knows Demi Lovato. And I'm like, nope. You don't know Demi Lovato? I'm guessing she's a singer now, but I would not have known that. I might have guessed it on a multiple choice, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Well, hopefully, hopefully you're very sure. No, sir. Yeah, she's a, she's a, she's a very, very popular uh, pop singer. Mm -hmm. She came out with this, she came out with a song uh, several years ago. It was like one of her biggest ones. It was like, I think it was called like, Sorry, Not Sorry. Uh, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, that was, that was her song. (laughs) Couldn't yeah. if I wanted to, mm-hmm. but yeah. but she OD'd recently. Not not recently. She OD'd a, she OD'd a, f- a couple years ago. Uh, oh, but she did a podcast with Joe Rogan. Before yeah. She, that. Okay. No, no, no. She she get she OD'd a couple years ago, and then and then after that, like after she had recovered uh, oh, from she, her addiction, okay. she came on to okay. the podcast and talked about her experiences. Yeah. Um. So like Joe Rogan talks to people, will talk to people like her, mm-hmm. but he'll also bring on like people from wildly different fields like um one man in particular john donaher is a uh he's a black belt in uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu and he's arguably one of the he's arguably one of the best jiu-jitsu instructors in the entire world uh and the entire legacy of jiu-jitsu from its beginnings uh from its beginnings with the Gracie family, uh, John Donaher, uh, has come and he has, he has made his students into very, very lethal weapons. Um, and they, his teams constantly bring home, bring home medals Who's at every tournament. He's got, uh, he's got a few famous names on his team. One of them, uh, George, George St. Pierre, uh, very famous UFC fighter. Yep. He trains at John Donaher's UFC, or he trains at Don Donaher's uh, Jiu-Jitsu gym, and uh, his system of uh, his system of grappling is just it's just un it's unlike anything unlike anything anybody has ever fathomed, you know. And it's so technical and philosophical, uh, and it's it's just, it's very very deadly. Um, people cannot seem to. People for some reason cannot seem to best uh, John Donaher's athletes. Uh, one of them, especially Gordon Ryan, is a is also a black belt. He's a nogi competitor. Competitor. So whenever he competes, he competes in like the 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 tight rash guard and shorts. He doesn't wear he doesn't wear the traditional kimono gi. Um, but he's he's probably John Donaher. He's one of John Donaher's best students, and he is arguably the best grappler in the world. Uh, he just cannot, he just cannot be, pe- he cannot be beaten. Like he'll offer, he offers money to, to prospective opponents to, to go, 
uh, toe to toe with him, and they'll make excuses as to as to why they won't fight him. Yeah, you know, and whoever he does end up, whoever he does end up rolling with at a tournament, just they get absolutely dominated. It's crazy. Do you think there's like some satisfaction in like the way you, you were talking about him? There's some satisfaction like going down as the best grappler in the world. Like that kind of legacy is that something that you would find very satisfying? Oh yeah, of course. I'm I'm not ashamed to admit that. Yeah. I would love to be I would love to be like the best grappler in so, the world. So what about when yeah. you back like going back to when you were in high school and you didn't have many friends or like were you concerned about that stuff back then? Like what does the future hold for Morgan? Very much. I was very concerned for for what my future held. Uh and I th- although I think that's I think that's typically a very normal experience for a teenager at, at that age to have. Um, when I, w- I was reading this, uh, I was reading my psychology textbook because I just finished up a class. Mm-hmm. I finished up an intro to psychology class recently, and um, it talks about that concept in the book. Um, the search for identity, yep. the search for a role, and people, teenagers specifically, try out these different roles and these different archetypes. Uh, and they see what fits. I feel like, but from your story earlier, you weren't trying to see what fits. You just went home and did the same bullshit every day, and eventually talked to a recruiter. And I, I guess that was your identity. You're like, this is going to change me when I get in. Mm-hmm. I was doing that. I guess, I guess my role that I was searching for, or that I was not that I was actively searching for, but that I was falling into naturally, was that of the the mediocre, the mediocre mm-hmm. nobody, like just going through life, life happens to him and, uh, and things just, things just go on and you, you kind of just get dragged along with it, you know? And that's not, that's not a role that anyone should search for. That's just kind of a role that people. You'd accept it. Yeah. You, you, you tend to accept it and you default to it. If you, if you let, if you let that happen, Yeah, you know, that's kind of what I was falling into. Um, yeah, yeah. that's cool. I, that was, that was, yeah, just randomly thought of that, and I had to ask you. Uh, taking taking school as a Marine, is that normal? Do most Marines go to college? Marine, the Marine Corps statistically utilizes uh, tuition assistance the least compared to the other branches. Um, you have the same amount, $4,500 a year that we have? Yes, yeah. We get $4,500 a year for uh, for tuition assistance-funded classes, and um, it is so desperately underutilized mm-hmm. uh, by by Marines. Although I think that trend is changing, at least in my, at least in my anecdotal experience, I have noticed that a lot of my junior Marines and a lot of my peers are getting very, very interested about pursuing their education. Is Iracho, Sergeant Iracho, is he taking school? Uh, if he is, I'm not aware of it. What about Corporal Whitney? Corporal Whitney? Yes, he was. Last time I saw him, he was. Jankovic, I think he, I think he was as well. 75%? Yeah. That's a pretty good percentage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Iracho, Iracho is an interesting case because uh, he's he's a twenty eight year old. He's a twenty eight year old man. He's older than me, mm-hmm. uh, but he came. He and I came together um, to Korea, and uh, I got promoted. I got promoted faster than him, and so I was technically rank wise, I was his I was his superior. But uh, on a maturity on a maturity level, he was he's my yeah. he's my superior. Um, That's what he, I let him do his own thing, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to boss around a twenty eight year old man. If I need to, if I need him to do something for me, work, work, work related, I will tell him like, Hey man, can you do this? Or Hey man, I need you to get this done, please. Uh, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pry into his life and be like, Hey man, how's your, 
you have a girlfriend, how's your day going? You taking school, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You know, he's I'm very stoic. He just kind of talks and he has something interesting to say. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He doesn't, he maintains what, he maintains what a lot of Buddhists call the noble silence. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have anything, if you don't have anything that's important to say, you say nothing. Is he Buddhist? Uh, no, but I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's cool. I was <laughs> like, the way you said that, I was like, I didn't know he was a Buddhist. Yeah, yeah. You both are. <laughs> what are the odds of that? Uh, no, I don't know if he's Buddhist, but I, I am very, I am very uh, devout as far as Buddhism is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he's very like, stoic is definitely a good word to describe, to does, describe him. Does school help you guys get promoted? Yes. Yes, it does. Because okay. uh, for... For E1 through E4, the promotion system is is slightly different. Um, E1 through E3 actually is automatic, but getting promoted to E4 is uh, based on uh, this new system that they have called the JEPES, the Junior Enlisted Performance Evaluation System. And basically, you get rated on uh, your physical and mental toughness, uh, your rifle range, your your physical fitness test, your combat fitness test, and your command has 25% uh, of the, they have a, they have an, they have an input section where they can put their remarks and that's worth 25% of whatever ranking you get uh, for promotion. So school, if you put school in there, that really helps out and that makes you look a lot better. Towards Only to that 25%. Only to that 25% though. But for sergeants and above, for sergeants through major general actually, our, our fitness reports, uh, which is our which the, I recently learned is system. like the Air Force EPR. Fitness report has nothing to do with actual physical fitness. Yeah, no, it doesn't. No, no. yeah, uh, learned that the hard way. Yeah, <laughs> what is yeah, this? Yeah, it was a funny, it was a funny little mix yeah. up that we had. There. Yeah, I asked him. I was, we're trying to, we're, I was trying to get uh, Mike, Mike here some recognition for something, and I was like, I need your fitness report. Is what I told him, yeah. needing his physical fitness yeah. report. What we call in the Air Force, and he mm-hmm. sends me this like. Essentially, a Marine Corps EPR. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, dude? like yeah. I'm so confused. I was like, that's and my fit like, rep. Yeah. I was like, that's no, it's rep. not. Yeah. It's yeah. not yeah. your fit rep. Yeah, <laughs> it was, was mind boggling. Yeah, it was also funny too because you were like, well, where's well, where's your PFT score? I was like, it's on there, and then it said not required. And I was like, oh crap, it's not on there. <laughs> it must be. Like, I think it's a COVID thing. No, no it's not required. I, uh, I yeah, assume yeah. that yeah. it's 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 because of COVID. Yeah, they canceled the tests. Um, God, I totally lost my train of thought there. That's nah, fine. Um, then. Let's talk about reading. Yeah, yeah what do sure. you, I know you said you used to read, and guess you haven't anymore. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a while since I picked up a good book. Um, although I used the book I, that I was reading previously was uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Heard of that? Um, yeah, he's one of he's one of the most famous uh, stoicist Stoics um, in the world. Uh, he was an he was the emperor of Rome. Um, and you, you remember the movie Gladiator? Yep. With a uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah. Uh, Gladi- uh, Russell Crowe's character, uh, kept on saying like, "I am more. I am loyal to the true emperor. I'm loyal to Marcus Aurelius." Sound just like yeah. him. Oh, he did. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the guy. He uh, every night when he was on every night when he was on his campaigns, uh, he had this little uh, diary that he wrote in, and uh, he he'd write down his thoughts and. He would keep track of the things that he thought about and his experiences, and it was basically like his own little self-help journal. And it's what he used to get to get through the 
through the savagery of his campaigns at, at war and, you know, dealing with things, dealing with things on the home front back in, back in the capital, like, uh, it helped him, it helped him clear his mind and like focus on what really matters. Because when you are in that, I guess when you are in that kind of position as an emperor, there's a lot to get distracted by. There's a lot to get distracted by, you know, like the politics, the politics, the, the, uh, the catering to a certain lifestyle, um, the, the temptations of luxury, all of that, like it's, those are all temporary things. Um, but one of the most important things that I got from, from his book, um, was that there is only, the only thing that really matters as a man is that you have, uh, virtues, mm. that you have virtues and that you live to the, and that you live up to those virtues, you know, yeah. wisdom, wisdom, justice, uh, fortitude. Um, there's, there's one more stoic virtue that, that was, uh, that was very important, but I totally forgot what it was. I do that all the time. With yeah. Things. I think I've like known and mastered then when it's time to talk about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know this as well as I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, so what is a, what is a Buddhist is, I mean, that sounds like very Buddhist thoughts and in, in from the minimal stuff I know about mm-hmm. being a Buddhist. What does a Buddhist believe happens at the end of life? Buddhist, if you ask a Buddhist monk what happens at the end of life, he would probably tell you, he would probably tell you that it doesn't really matter. He what would if I asked t- you? I would probably say the same thing. I mean, I like to think that, I like to think that uh, the energy, the energy of the soul, um, like all things in the universe, cannot be destroyed. It just transforms into something else. You know, when you die, when you die, your physical body uh, gets put six feet under and it begins to rot yeah. and decompose and it become one with uh, the soil that surrounds it. And it provides nutrients to the earth and, it, and eventually plants grow on the surface and flowers sprout and all that. Uh, so I like to think, I like to think that the, the same thing probably happens to people's souls when they die. They just, they just move on somewhere else. Um, but I try not to dwell on it too much because Buddhism is primarily about uh, knowing and seeing. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't focus too much on metaphysical questions of, uh, you can't focus too much on the, on the metaphysical questions of, of the universe because if you dwell on it, if you dwell on these things too much, it can actually cause you more suffering than, than, uh, than good. You know? You have to be focused on on what's happening here and now. I think that's. I think if there's anything to be said for this uh, weird concept, people talk about you know called enlightenment. It would be understanding understanding the nature of the present moment and just being here, hmm. and being being content with it all, yeah. even in times of pain. I feel like that is how I live my life, but I've never really put thought behind it. I've just thinking about what happens afterwards is just too much work and stressful and mm-hmm. behaving a certain way for a certain outcome to happen for the rest of eternity. Yeah. I'd rather just do what I'm thinking, what I want. What makes What's going to make me laugh today? Getting drunk and doing a podcast with my guy wearing these stupid Ramen noodles. Yeah, yeah. He's with a Ramen. I can't even say what that brand is, but. Uh, yeah, Shin. 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 Yeah. Oh, and it's expired too. February 5th. No, that thing never expires. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It was here when I moved in. Oh, really? Yeah, it was nice. just sitting in like uh, under that sink, actually. So oh, yeah. That's how long it's been there. I guess three-ish years, however mm-hmm. long ramen lasts. I saw this really funny comic. Uh, it was uh, it was like it was actually one of these Mar- Maruchan uh, 
chicken ramen cups and uh we should get like ramen a, after this oh we should yeah while wearing this that is a great idea okay. sorry go ahead tell about your comic and we'll bring the comic with us but yeah. continue oh it's on my it's on, it's a meme on my phone actually okay. i can show you later but um it's there's there's this like worm and it was like it somehow gotten into the ramen and he was like i live a lonely soul i live a lonely life of complete solitude and i spend my time around these other worms but i don't know what i'm doing and they won't talk back to me I feel so alone. And then somebody, and then a big light comes and it's somebody opening up the ramen cup. He's like, Oh my God, what is that beautiful, beautiful light? Hopefully it's my, hopefully it's someone to rescue me from this prison. And then someone's just boiling starts pulling boiling water in. <laughs> yeah. Lo and behold, that worm got eaten like a noodle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just talking about the ramen made me think of that comic and I, and I love it. You know, yeah. sometimes I'll be like talking to people. And it'll be like important people or like mm -hmm. my boss giving me direction on what to do. Yeah. And I just start thinking about dumb shit in my head like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Something I do, I should admit this, in a lot of, not in a lot, but in meetings <laughs> at work, I'm very often like, if it's not relevant to me in my head, I'm just like, hey, can I do it? And I did it once because the Simpsons like made a joke about it. And then I thought it was funny when I was younger. Mm. And so I did it, and now it's like a thing I just can't help but do. Like, if it's irrelevant to me in my head. Yeah, man. Oh, my God. Just laughing to myself. I am so bad with that, too. And then and then if you if you do it too much, then you start laughing out loud, and people are like, what the what the fuck is so funny? And you're just like, oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Have you ever been in a moment where you're not supposed to laugh? It's not appropriate <laughs> yeah. to laugh. But because you know you can't laugh right now, yeah. I can't help but try to not laugh. Like, oh, yeah, I love oh. those moments. Yeah, that's like, oh, man. Whenever, whenever I'm like, when I'm back in, when I'm back with the Marines, like whenever we uh, were getting yelled at for something really, uh, really uh, trivial, mm -hmm. uh, I would start doing that. And then I would would start laughing a little bit and I'd be like, Oh God, can't, can't laugh. I'm gonna yell that. Can't look, gotta look, gotta look remorseful. <laughs> yeah. And I was yeah. like struggle internally to just like keep my bearing, keep my composure. But really I just, I was thinking I was off in my own head and I wanted to burst out laughing Yeah, as my staff sergeant or whatever. It was just like, <laughs> like yelling, the, yelling at all of our faces. Yeah. <laughs> Something I think talk, talking about military again, that I thought was really cool is in the, when you were getting promoted, to sergeant mm. from corporal to sergeant it was like your first month or two here yeah it was really cool that you're i forgot his name the guy that came from osan to read uh captain alverson alverson who, who yeah. was the sergeant that came uh he wasn't he was maybe a year older than you. he looked like he was your age oh yeah sergeant sergeant ramos ramos yeah, yeah. and he was like reading the order yeah for your promotion and he was like as loud as he probably could be and mm -hmm. that's something we never i've never experienced i was like oh that's really cool like this guy's really into it and i was like cool for Sergeant Ramos thinking like this is that important that he was going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I kind of just thought that was cool that he did that and moved on with my life. And then mm -hmm. eight, nine months later, Aracho is getting promoted to yeah. Sergeant and you're reading it and you're just as loud and proud. And I'm like, well, this is like a thing that they do. Yeah, man. Yeah. And that is cool. Like, yeah, I wish, I wish people, anyone that listens to this was here to experience it. Mm -hmm. Cause ours, when we get promoted, we just kind of read their name, yeah. their line number and they go, take a walk like they walk down an alley and people clap yeah but your guys was it was cool it was different yeah it's uh there is the way we can the way we see promotions like they're a huge deal they're a huge deal for us you know um especially that first promotion to to corporal mm -hmm. actually um because corporals in the marine corps are considered the first the first line of ncos 
Um, so they take, they take that very, very, very seriously and very intensely. Um, because when you are, when you're getting promoted, uh, you, your level of responsibility is increasing Mm -hmm. and, uh, the amount of people you're responsible for, the, the, the kinds of control you have over the mission, uh, is expanding the kind of control you have over the mission grows a lot um with each rank so it really is a big deal for us and we need to you know as as marines we try to keep that you try to keep that in mind and we try to cement that uh we try to cement that mindset through the through the almost ritualistic practice of reading off that citation while everyone stands at attention you know because it's a it's a huge deal yeah you know you can't take you can't take that responsibility lightly. You know, it says in, it says in the citation, uh, you will lead your Marines. You will lead your Marines with firmness, fairness, dignity, and respect. Uh, and that's a bit, you can't, you can't mess that up. Cause if you, if you're not firm with your Marines, then they won't listen to you. If you're not fair to them, then they will, uh, then they'll eventually resent you the ones that you're unfair to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't treat them with dignity, they will really resent you and they will never, they will never respect you if you don't treat them with the proper dignity because they're at the end of the day, they're still human beings. Yep. They're not pawns on the chessboard. They're human beings that you need to afford the proper respect. Emmanuel Kant's Emmanuel Kant was big on that. Uh, Who's that? He's a, he's a German philosopher. Okay. Um, but he was big on the, on the ideal of basic basic human respect and if you ignore that if you ignore that tenet just because you just because the people under you might be wearing a uniform and and they may have like less less black on the collar as we call it uh that's a that's a bad mindset to have you know that's a bad mindset to have you're the reason you're a leader is so you can serve the people so you can serve the people under you and get the mission accomplished not so you can boss them around or or treat them like pawns you know I do know. Yeah. I don't know if everyone would agree with that, but I I do. Yeah. Well, it's unfortunate that not everyone not everyone would agree with that because really all I guess really all I'm trying to say is that people deserve some modicum of respect and if you don't give that to them then what do you really deserve to be a leader? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I agree with you. So, moving into I want to ask you what it was like working with the Air Force and the Korean Air Force, mm-hmm. United States Air Force, Korean Air Force. But yeah. before, that'll be my next question. But before that, your best experience with your one year in Korea, what is it? I'd say, oh man, I have, I, it's hard because I have multiple, multiple favorite moments. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, I guess it's your favorite, favorite, favorite. <laughs> yeah. I guess the absolute favorite, um, the absolute favorite would be getting the arrival certification um getting be checked out yeah getting fully checked out in the rapcon like because that like i could say i could have said like tra- you know traveling traveling to seoul and exploring seoul and having a good time and partying and stuff was was great let's take some of that if you don't mind thanks um however that's not really what i came to do i came to uh get certified and accomplish a certain mission set and accomplishing that was uh huge for me uh personally and professionally that is really good, and it's funny you say that because, as I also an air traffic controller, when you anyone ever asked me my best 
moment in my, which doesn't happen very often. How often does someone say, hey, what's your best moment mm -hmm. in your experience? Yeah. Uh, but mine is getting my flight level as an air traffic controller. Mm -hmm. You know, just getting in local control in the tower was, was the certification. But, like, yeah. nothing beats that. I've had a few awards, had uh, met some cool people, done some fun things. But, yeah. like, nothing beat the moment where I'm like, all right, I have a career for the next 40 years of my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It, it's, it really is unbeatable, you know, because... It's it's a big step and it changes things. Uh, it is, and it was really what you were sent here. I will just set it on the ground. Yeah, I should put it in this Yeti behind me, but that's too much work. Mm -hmm. We'll just drink faster. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's let's move to working with the Air Force. What when you were selected to come here? What were your initial thoughts on like how we would be? My initial thoughts uh, were that the Air Force is a very very technical and uh, they're a very technical branch. Like the things that they care about most is doing the job right, doing it correctly. And uh, I was like, that's a high standard to live up to because not not all Marines think that way. I'm not usually used to that. Um, even in even coming up from Marine air traffic control, like not everyone's mind is focused on air traffic. Some some people care more about being Marines than being air traffic controllers. Hmm. Uh, it's a it's a balancing act that we have to play. But I my. Uh, suspicions about the air force uh being super big into into their job and their their afsc um that's what they call it right it is, yeah how do you code. know that mos what do you guys call it yeah we call it MOS. yeah how <laughs> do yeah. you know that yeah, yeah. correct I, I pay attention good yeah. job um yeah my thoughts were my suspicions were confirmed coming here uh yeah. and meeting everybody on on crew and in the rapcon uh and then eventually throughout the base like everyone is very very laser focused on performing their job to the best of their ability. Um, yeah. yeah. And if you're not, then you can get, if you're not, then you get ostracized. Yeah. 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 That, that's interesting to see it that bluntly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, that's really what they're, that's really how I saw it. That's really how I saw it. Like a lot of people, a lot of people thought like, um, oh, are you going to go spend time in the air force? Oh man, you're gonna turn into a little bitch when you come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they were like, you're gonna turn into a little softy. And I was yeah. like, go fuck yourself. Do you yeah. think maybe you're a little softer now that you've been with us for a year? Uh, actually, no, no, I don't think so at all. Uh, I think if honestly, if anything, I've I think I've become harder. I think I've become harder and better because uh, you're t in the back in back in the in the Marine Corps, like you're told to do everything you're told to be, uh, you need to be hard. You need to be, you need PTing on your own, blah, 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 all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's different when you have to do it on your own. Um, it's different when you need to find, when you need to find the motivation and then when you need to, uh, ensure you have that self-discipline to continue the trend on your own. So I can, I've had to, I've had to be a Marine and uphold this and uphold a standard uh, with no supervision, yeah. essentially, uh, on my own, and that's made me that's made me stronger. That's made me, that's made me better. Like a lot of people were afraid that I was going to come here and just like totally relax and like that. My my commander uh, literally briefed me on that. Um, he was he was like he was he was telling me why he wanted me to send sit reps every week because mm -hmm. i send a situation report yep. uh, electronically every week to is it just like a paragraph or yeah it's like a paragraph dealing detailing what we've done and how many hours we've worked in position for 
anything that happens that's important. And he was like, do you understand why we want you to send these sit-reps every week? And I was like, well, to keep an eye on what we're doing. He was like, so you don't become an airman. So you don't become, so you don't become a fat, lazy airman, basically. And I was like, well, in my, I didn't say this to him, but in my head I was like, well, one, that's not going to happen because I, I know who I am and I know, and I have self-respect. Two, I don't think the Air Force is actually like that either. And fortunately, fortunately enough, I was, I was proven, I was proven right because I don't think, I, don't, I haven't met any fat, lazy airmen yet. I would like to agree with you there, but I can't. However, I would say when I see you, Aracho, yeah. meeting Whitney and uh, Jankovic today, yeah. if I had to pick the eight most athletic people in my facility, there's about 30 people, all four of you would be in there. Yeah, yeah. So there definitely is a difference on like physical fitness standards yeah, yeah. and perception that, that's from one true. to another. And, and I, yeah. yeah, so I that's cool. You, mm-hmm. you could disagree with him, even though you didn't say it. Yeah. But I would disagree with you and I'd be more on his side and against mm-hmm. my own people. Like, it is a thing. Yeah. I, I do think like, you ever heard the thing to become like the people you hang out, the five people you hang out with the most. Yep. yep. When the five people you hang out with the most aren't, being told to be athletic or mm-hmm. working on being athletic, you're gonna you will probably slide that way. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when everyone you hang out with is being told to do that and they're mm-hmm. doing it, you're gonna slide that way. Yeah. I just I, I have I have heard that before and I've mm-hmm. tried to keep that in mind as much as I can. Um and I try to I try to be nice to everybody and I try to be pleasant with everybody, but I pick my friends. I pick my friends carefully because I don't want them to I don't want to to be a bad influence on them and I don't want that to be a bad influence on me. Um, because again, like you're saying, you, you give and take things yeah. from, from the people that you hang out with the most. And I gotta ask you this, what bad, and I, I know what positive influences you could put on people, but mm-hmm. what bad influences do you push on to people? Uh, I think the, the tendency perhaps to procrastinate mm-hmm. might be something that I, that I put on people like, Same. uh, it took me, it took me up until like last month to get my passport, uh, and I was going to do it when I left, before I left the States in, 20, in 2018. But I was lazy and I didn't want to pay the $145 fee. Um, and then I got to Okinawa and I was like, oh, I'll get my passport some of time. I'll just drive down to the consulate and get it there. Nope, didn't do that. And then I come here and I'm about to leave Korea. And I'm like, oh, man, I really have to get my passport at some point. Uh, so I finally like went up to Seoul. I visited the embassy. Okay, um, so while you were on leave, you did that. Yeah, so while I was on leave, I made sure to do that, and I uh, I got my passport then. Is got that it. something you can do in one day? You just go to the embassy and do it? Yeah, you just submit the application, and then you have to come back th- in three weeks and then pick it up. And you went back already? Uh, yeah, I already yeah, I w- already went back. Congrats, man. Yeah, thanks. My passport recently expired, and I'm like, I'm kind of embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a passport. Uh-oh. Yeah, I mean, I'll get one when I get to Washington. I tried when I got here, but with COVID, they're like, we're not doing it. Yeah. I said, all right. Yeah, that complicates. It really does complicate. I can't go anywhere process. anyway, so it actually works out. Now it'll mm-hmm. last me a little bit longer. Yeah, whenever I, I get a new one. Mm-hmm. What about working with Koreans? Do you feel like you've gained much from them? Uh, I have. I've gained. I've gained insight into how uh, other countries' militaries uh, operate. Yeah. Um, some of it good, some of it not so good. Um, but you know, working with a Working with a guy like Jin, yep, uh, who is also on this podcast, I saw his thingy. He is on here. Yeah, working with a guy like Jin, number was, eleven. Yeah, number eleven. He's he was an awesome dude. He is an awesome dude. He's, he's still here, um, and he's a very very hard worker. He's 
more he's more studious than I am. He is studious. Yeah, very very involved in the studies. He's he throws himself into the books. I'll see him like over at the over at the PARO scope, and he'll just be like, he'll have the books open, and he'll be like furiously taking notes. I'm like, holy crap, you know. It throws even me off. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I, it makes me feel bad. <laughs> Where's my old notebook? Yeah. <laughs> pull that out. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Um, but he's very, they're very hard workers. Uh, they're very hard workers. They're very passionate. And yeah. they take they take this their job seriously. And I like that. Yeah, I think something we take for granted working with them or that Americans in general, like these Korean Air Force people or Korean military, uh, yeah. they like really do like us and admire us and they not at all trying to say take advantage of it but they would do anything for us like anytime i invite jen out he usually says yes he goes camping with oh, me yeah. whenever and it's like for him to like me I, I, maybe he likes me for other reasons but yeah. i i think he initially liked me just because i'm american mm-hmm. I, I can't you know, I, I should have this conversation with him but i think that was his initial liking towards me yeah and then we grew a friendship from it but just whatever it is that american air forces is doing to have these people love us that much is really cool yeah yeah, and I take away a lot from it. Like, mm-hmm. man, I can't tell you how many times I've been exploring Korea, and I'm talking to a Korean, an older Korean, and I yeah. can't translate. So I just called Jin. Hey, man, will you translate for me? He's like, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. Every time he answers, every time. Yeah, it's great. It yeah. is having a friend like him is very valuable, especially here. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, they, yeah, they really are. They really are good dudes, and I think, and I like how they, I like how they look up to us because I mean, America, American military projects this image of like. Big prof- being professional and, and kind and helping out. And, yep. Uh, it's definitely an image that we as individuals should try to keep up, you know? I agree. Yeah. So what's the difference between Marine Corps and Air Force air traffic control? Marine Corps and Air, air Force air traffic control. Uh, I would say the primary difference. Um, I'd say the primary difference is that Marine air traffic control is more... Uh, it is more physically physically fit uh and even though that seems peculiar since we're talking about air traffic control uh it it will make sense it makes sense because marine air traffic controllers uh are very focused on like getting very focused on getting local specifically tower a lot of tower ratings because uh when we deploy quite often we use uh we utilize tower tower and vfr systems a lot more than uh, ifr systems so you doing that when you when you do that and you need to be physically fit enough to basically set up an LC. Uh the marine landing zone for non military people. Yeah, yeah. Setting up landing zones. Um I don't want to talk too much about the about this stuff because I wouldn't want like to give away I wouldn't want to give away our tactics completely. Yeah. But we rely a lot on our own physical fitness to 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 set up airfields and to to be able to operate in austere environments um, and still perform the duties of an air traffic controller because being an air traffic controller is already mentally taxing enough. Ask anybody with any amount of experience in ATC and you'll, they'll be able to confirm that. But doing that in a deployed environment uh, on limited amount of, on a limited amount of sleep uh, while wearing full kit with, you know, you know, rifle flat Kevlar uh, eating MREs, it can be taxing on the body as well. And you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared physically to take that on. Um, so that is, that, that's probably the biggest difference between Marine air traffic control and 
uh, Air Force Air Traffic Control is that I have seen every Marine Air Traffic Controller I know uh, absolutely prioritizes physical fitness uh, in their in their daily lives. Yeah, like they're constantly PT. We're constantly PTing. I was the PT and CEO at uh, at uh, Fatenma. Mm-hmm. I was responsible for taking the junior Marines out and leading. A PT sessions with them every day. Did you enjoy that? Like when you got tasked for that, were you like happy? I get to spend my off time doing that. I was. I was. That's I, awesome. Yeah, I really took pride in doing that and doing it to the best of my ability. And I, 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 I like to think I know a little. Excuse me. I like to think I know a little more about working out mm-hmm. than uh, than some other people. Yeah. Um. So I, I liked building programs that would benefit people and not. It would challenge them, but it wouldn't run them into the ground and overtrain them because that's a real, that's a real problem yeah. with some people. But now you actually know more about fitness and capabilities of people and yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's great about actually leading or being assigned the leader of things yeah. is you learn more than everyone else because you're expected to. Mm-hmm. But I do think that's a, a uniqueness that I would say our, our branch struggles with is when I task someone to do something that requires their personal time and frequently, yeah. they're not happy. They're usually not excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, some of them are, but it's mm-hmm. hard. Like, you have to have the right people in your organization. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody really likes getting their getting their liberty time messed with, but mm-hmm. there's some there's some sacrifices that you do have to make that are, that when you when you make them, they're worth it. And you, when you see, like, the benefit that it brings to people, it makes it worth it. Yeah, I think the secret is getting them to choose to do Even though, like, I know, like, I'm going to make you do this. Yeah. I have to make you want to do it, and then mm-hmm. you're kind of more sold. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where, like, the leadership thing comes in. Like, how do you yeah. get people to want to do something? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, uh, I think a big part of that is having to pause. You have to positively influence people. Like, if you say, if you threaten them with punishment, right? Like, if you don't do this, I'm going to take I'm gonna to- take away your, yep. your liberty, or, or which we can't do. But just in, as, as, as an example, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to take X away from you if you don't do this. That's not a very good way to motivate someone yep. because they're just going to put in the bare minimum effort. But if you tell someone to do this, if you tell someone like, hey, man, I, I need you to do this. Uh, and if you do, uh, it will really help you out and it'll help out a lot of other people. And maybe you might even get recognized for it, blah, blah, blah. Then they might they might just be motivated to try to try harder and go the extra mile. Yeah, so what you said is there's there's a... For any type of influence, there's five types of power. Mm-hmm. And the first one you said is coercive power, where like, if you don't do this, I'll punish you. Yeah. And the next thing you said was like, if you do this, there might be a reward for you. So that's mm-hmm. reward power. Yeah. You might learn something from it. You might, you'll be helping me out. That's mm-hmm. referent power, doing it because you care about, like you, I yeah. think Mike, Mike likes me, TP, and you would mm-hmm. do things for me just because you like me enough and know I'm doing enough things, right? Yeah, like that, yeah. that's a power in its own mm-hmm. uh, knowledge power, just doing something because I know more than you. So you're like, okay, he's probably right. I'm going to do it. There's so many different powers yeah. and you listed them off without, I don't, I don't know if you studied the different five powers, no, I but like, know. yeah, just that fundamental, like there is, if you can learn the five powers and when and mm-hmm. how they're used, it helps your influence on people. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely something I learned through. Mm-hmm. That was definitely something I learned through experience, like seeing, seeing that kind of power and uh, seeing the absence of it, like there were, I've had leaders in the past where, but honestly, the only reason that I listened to some of them was because of the the amount of rank that they wore on their collar. Yep. And like, they didn't have any of the other four powers. The only thing they had was the threat of punishment, perhaps. Or, uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, the threat of punishment. Hey, do this for me or 
do this for me or you're, you're going to be in trouble because you're disobeying Article 92 of the UCMJ, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, like uh, I had one had one leader. I don't want to say her name, but um, she had no credibility at all. Mm. She had zero credibility with me personally um, because when I got, she was a lap mover. Uh, she cross-trained, rather. She cross-trained from... Uh, from maintenance to air traffic control, Roz. Uh, she cross-trained from there into air traffic. So when she did, she was already a sergeant. E5, and, right? Yeah, E5. And she had started out with zero qualif- She started out with zero qualifications, as an air traffic controller usually does. Uh, so she was an E5 with, like, three-level experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Schoolhouse graduate, nothing. And she, I, I did not train her, uh, but I heard stories from her from her trainers and her instructors uh, of how dishonest she actually was. She uh, went into uh, her evaluations because evaluations at Camp Pendleton are done electronically. So you can go in there and you can type whatever you want and they're maintained electronically. They're not written out and put into, into folders like we do here. But she went into her evals and she changed it up to make it sound like she was doing better than she actually was. And that Friday, the instructors were auditing the evals, and they saw what they saw what was written. There. They were like, "This is not what I wrote." She was terrible in position. This is not what I wrote. So they called her up, and they were like, "Did you write that? Did you change that?" And she was like, "No." Okay, now I know you're lying. So she lied about she lied about doing about doing well in her uh, in position, and she ended up taking her. It was radar final control, the position that she was that she was training in. She took that position to 120% of her total training time um, because per the Navy's regulations, if you uh, take your training to 100% and you have to go to a board and then that board will decide whether or not to give you an extra 20% to you know kind of shape up and finish up that certification. So she got that 20%, but she used it all up. Uh, and eventually they, they gave it to her because she did end up performing at a somewhat satisfactory level. But the kicker to that was when she finally got her certification, immediately after her next step was to write herself up for a Navy Achievement Medal. Uh, And her justification was that she did X amount of ops. She did X amount of uh, flight ops during her training. And I was, she sent it up to the captain and the captain saw it and was like, S&M deserves a Navy Achievement Medal because, or said Name Marine deserves a Navy Achievement Medal because she used up 120% of her training time and did this many PARs during her training. And he just crumpled it. He crumpled up the paper and threw it out because it was totally ridiculous. She tried to get recognized for, for being bad at her job, basically. And then she came to, she came to, she came to Vitenma and then ended up bullying her instructors into uh, certifying her because her instructors were uh, E3s, Lance Corporals. There's a Lance Corporal and a Sergeant, and she was a Staff Sergeant at this point. So she used her rank to bully them into into recommending her for certification. So by the time that I got there and saw her, she was already a radar supervisor and the crew boss. And the stories I, I heard those stories, and I did not like what I heard, and I was I lost a lot of respect for her. Not that I had really had any to begin with. Yeah, it's uh, I read a lot a lot of the books and stuff, and and that's something that's called. I mean, she sounds from that definition, she's not a great person. She the perception you have of her is it's probably valid, mm-hmm. but, 
But it's something what what I took from it the biggest is it's what other people's opinions of her were yeah. that made yours. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, like that's it's fair and people are usually right, but you kind of have to like learn to see what that person is like in your own way. Yeah, and then find ways to not only just hear what people were saying. And let that person go. You have to attempt. I know it's hard. It's way easier said than done. But you have to attempt to try to make these people like realize yeah. you fucking suck. People don't like you. Mm-hmm. This is how you can be better. Yeah. It's hard to do that when you're. It is very hard to hard, do that. Yeah. Especially as a new person. You, yeah. you can't do it because yeah. you have no credibility yourself. Yeah. Definitely as a new person. Yeah. As a new person who's lower ranking as well than her. Like it was It was very hard. Um, and she. She was aware of that. Uh, she, she was aware of that power that she had. So. She kind of, she used it to uh, make sure she could solidify her authority uh, because she was, people were afraid to criticize her. Yeah. Uh, What I did learn about her though, from personal experience was that she liked to hide behind the radar supervisor desk a lot. Um, She would sit there and just do her own thing. And, you know, she wouldn't actively control at all. I don't think I saw her do a, I don't think I saw her do a single approach when she was uh, at Fatenma. Not a single PAR. Um, and so she didn't do, the, she didn't really do the job uh, as an air traffic controller. She she did do her job as a radar supervisor, but did she control actively? No, she didn't do that at all. Um, and she would always, she would just keep us around for no reason. Um like flying, flying. You know how we, uh, you know how we get out sometimes, and like when flying is down, and they cut to ends. Like, yeah, she would just keep us there for for no reason. Um, like we'd we'd be all done with administrative stuff, nothing left to do on that side. Uh, there's no flying, so no planes to control. She just kept saying request work. Yes, like, let them think of things. Because even me, yeah. even though I'm swamped and I'll stay 12, 14 hours a day these last couple of weeks. Yeah, if someone said, hey. Give me something to do. Yeah. It's actually really hard to think like, well, what do I trust to give out? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you got, if you're equal rank of that person, I'll mm-hmm. just be like, hey, what can we do? Hey, what can we do? We're leaving. Hey, what can we do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it works the same in the Marines, but yeah. sometimes you just got to keep asking because yeah. people, you sometimes will have things to delegate and sometimes not. Like it's, it's a lot of work to think of things. Well, what can I delegate? Because then when you delegate, you actually have to track it and remember like mm-hmm. I gave it to this person and to yeah. follow up. Yeah. So delegating is not as easy as just saying, "Hey, go do this." Fuck yeah, off. Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah. So that can burden people too. That I don't know. That's yeah. you got to trust and verify. Sometimes yeah. I wish I could be an airman again with all the knowledge I have now. Mm-hmm. Not only would I be way more competent, yeah. <laughs> but like yeah. I would just know how to interact with people. Mm-hmm. I wish I could go back in time and get my knees back. That's the only thing I think I would change about my career. What's wrong with your knees? Uh, it's, it's, I have terrible knees. They're yeah, just bad, bad form from squatting and jujitsu. It kind of tends to mess with your joints a little bit. Aside from that, though, I think I, I wouldn't really change anything about about the way my career has gone so far. Yeah. Question from talking to you previously. You said that you could have been a sergeant sooner than you actually were. So obviously, you oh. fucked some shit up. Yeah, I did. What would yeah. you? What are those things? Now that you're saying you wouldn't change anything, and you've learned from them, which is great. Yeah. What I were have. those things? I'd like. To, I like. I'd like to know. So I took a long time to do my non-resident and resident PME. So the online portion of my PME for corpus course, I took mm-hmm. forever to do that. It took forever to get it done. Uh, and then it took me even longer to sign up for the in-person academic uh, portion of uh, my PME, which is a corpus course. It took me even longer to do that. Like the the my main motivation for getting it done when I did was that 
my tour in Korea was dependent on me getting a corpus course done. So I was like, all right, if I want to go to Korea, I need to do this. So I did. And that's, that's going back to the, the procrastination thing that I was talking about earlier. Um, like I'm a very bad procrastinator and that's something that I tend to, uh, give off to other people, uh, that, or that I'm afraid I do give off to other people. So that was a lesson that I, that I learned. Like you can't procrastinate when it comes to your own career. You cannot, um, because you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned that, I learned that lesson the hard way. Um, so I guess I guess I I should rescind that earlier statement. Like if I could go back and change something about my career, I probably would have done would have done corpus course and I would have done corpus course sooner so I could get promoted faster. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I feel like so here's I I promoted faster than I probably should have to get to this point and then I didn't make E8, which was fine. Like mm-hmm. and I realized at that point, oh, wow, there's like so much shit that I actually don't know. Yeah. There's so many E7s that are way more deserving than me. Mm-hmm. And so it's cool to like understand like uh, maybe at that moment i wasn't ready for you to not have done those courses that you needed to do to get yeah e5 faster Mm -hmm. makes sense like you weren't yeah mature enough at that time yeah maybe maybe i wasn't ready maybe i didn't deserve it back then it's easy to reflect now like yeah well i should have done that so it's it's always cool to catch those moments and that's Mm -hmm. i really do like i'm i'm big on not big i've been lazy sometimes but journaling i do it knowing Mm -hmm. like if I have an interaction with someone and I don't say something that like I'm thinking yeah. that I think like I need to say so that they know, so that we're at a mutual agreement later, I have to write about, write about it and have to mm-hmm. try to validate why I was a bitch and didn't tell the person what I was thinking. And because I do that, I'm way more assertive in like telling people what I think, what I need. Yeah. And it really helps. It really helps to like hold yourself to some accountability. So for you to be able to tell yourself, Oh, maybe I, maybe I should have done those courses and I shouldn't have made E5 mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, I think it's cool. You you can grow a lot from just understanding. Yeah, you weren't ready. Yeah, no, I was not. I should do. I should really do that more though. I never because I I do a little bit of journaling myself too, but I never really think about. I never really thought about it in that sense. I've never really. Uh, I've never thought about how practical it can be in that way. So I'll definitely take that. Yeah, you should. Here, let's that, do this. Do I have my journal to my left. Pick a date, any date, like not the year, but like a date, calendar year date. Yeah. Uh, nine eleven, September eleventh, twenty nineteen. Let's see if I yeah. even wrote that day. I got. Oh, then I'm gonna have to pre-read. I'll start talking about something in case it's something that it's like. Oh, maybe I shouldn't share this with the world. Where's <laughs> August twenty nineteen? Let's see what I did. September, September eleventh, twenty nineteen. Just so you can confirm, that's the date I wrote. Oh, nice. Let's see, what did I do that day? I'll stop talking. I'm going to read a little bit ahead. Yeah. This week of work has been pretty boring and nothing noteworthy. On September 6th, I went over to Nicole McConnell's house. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Just stop in there. That. Yeah. And uh, I did many terrible things. Regardless, like, it is cool to, like, reflect on, like, you know, moments yeah. of, like, what I did as a kid. And, like, 10 years from now, whatever whatever I read, September 11th, 2019, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then I could probably share that with Nicole and we'll laugh. Mm-hmm. I should probably cut this out. I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we probably had dinner is what that thing said. And then mm-hmm. I went home. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Sure. Dinner. But what I'm saying is. Do you like, have dessert? No. 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 no she didn't like sweets. So oh. it was just a regular dinner. And then I went home. Just dinner. Yeah. Very well. But I think that's what's like cool about journaling is you literally like not every day, but most days I talk about my life and I think it'll be cool when I'm older. It'll be fun to read. And then if I have kids, like I bet. 
they would maybe enjoy reading it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think it helps. A lot of very successful people, I'm not one of them, but a lot of very successful people do that. Mm-hmm. You should try it. If I was here for longer, I would buy you a journal, Moleskin brand. That's the best brand of journal. Mm-hmm. And make you do it. Yeah, I should. Uh, so your thoughts of the Air Force haven't changed since before? I uh, just twist it like a oh, Coke yeah. bottle. It's all like slippery and stuff. Anyway, uh, my thoughts about the Air Force. My thoughts on the Air Force, uh, some of them some of them were confirmed. Uh, like, yeah, I'm trying to think what of... What was confirmed? That, uh, that they're, not, they're, they're not as physically active as the Marine Corps. Um, yep. So yeah. They are a little less disciplined than the Marine Corps. Like, a lot of, uh, a lot of Air Force peers that I've met have... Uh, they're not as big into working out, and they're not like... They're not as uh, big on, like, rank or structure mm-hmm. or anything like that. God, this whiskey bottle is really hard to open. Come on. Let, let me open yeah. it for you. It, it'll yeah. give me some pride. Look Thanks. at that. Hey, Thanks, big man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, the Marine Corps <laughs> yeah. couldn't open this bottle. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that was too easy for you. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, it was, it was like a twist and pull. It was, it's a unique brand of yeah. bottle. That's the only button I know out of all those buttons. You got me. There you go. So, so, so PT, I I agree, and it's good to hear you say it because especially when you got here, it's funny. I'm talking about PT, but I can't even open a bottle. (laughs) You could. You didn't work out. It was it was a technique thing. Yeah, yeah. I would not challenge you in any physical fit. Uh, Maybe running. I think I would maybe have you in running, but Mm -hmm. weights, you win. Yeah, yeah. Um. But I do agree. Like, I remember we got here. I got here, like, a week before you. And I remember people here. I was like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. Seeing, yes, you see some you see some people and they're just like, they just look like a giant ball of camouflage. And you're like, yeah. what is going on here? Yeah. I have, yeah, Army. There's been, there was an Army dude on base, too, that was that, was that way. And they just, yeah. Yeah. I, something I would, what was, so here's something I would change in the Air Force. There's a lot. One of them being... Get rid of hats overall. And there might be some, like, uh, reason, mm-hmm. culture. Uh, re- like, there's there's probably a reason we have to wear hats outside. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think anybody would be upset mm-hmm. if they just got rid of that rule. Like, yeah. you don't have to wear hats ever. Like, just yeah. having to have a hat around and carry it around is just so inconvenient for oh, me. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like yeah, lose it, and then now now we have names on them, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, like I can't borrow my friends' hat. I have to actually yeah. have mine. With us, it's even more inconvenient because there's no like Velcro. Our hat with our covers, so there's no like uh, uh, Velcro uh, thingy on the back where you can put like a name tape or anything. So people are always stealing each other's stuff. People are always In stealing the each other's hats. Yeah, like it's one of the most annoying things ever. Like if you don't properly mark mm-hmm. your your cover with your name. Someone is definitely going to jack it. Wait, even though it has Y, do your name, your hats don't have your name on it. They don't, no, they do not. Oh, Yeah, okay. you have to, like, actually physically write your name on it, like, libel, uh, so that someone doesn't steal it, or that if, or if someone does, you can check it and be like, this is my hat, you yep. took my hat, you douche. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Killing's a little extreme. Yeah. All right, let's see. Man, so what, well, so that's what, getting rid Getting rid of hats is what I would change in the Air Force. Yeah. What would you change about the Marine Corps? Uh, you could change one thing. I could change one thing. Oh shoot, there's there's a lot of things. Well, I guess I guess something very very easy that I would change is that I would stop. I would make people stop rolling sleeves. 
Mm. Like, you know, you, you know, when I come into work and I have my sleeves rolled yeah. up. Yeah. You have to do that. I have to do that. Yeah. Why? It's, uh, it's dictated per the uniform regulations, Marine Corridor, Papa 10, 20.34 hotel. Certain months. Yeah. From the months through the months of, uh, uh, well, from, from spring to, from spring to the end of, uh, summer hmm. is when do you, is when you have your sleeves rolled up. Um, does anyone like their sleeves rolled up? Some people do. Yeah. Some people really like how it shows off their arms. Uh, yeah. I'll be honest. I like how it looks. I like how it makes my arms look sometimes, but what about when you're hanging out with working with 12 dudes? Do you care that much about what your arms look like in that moment? You'd be surprised. People <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. Out. You're yeah. right. I was going to act cool. Like I yeah. wouldn't care, but yeah, I guess I do kind of yeah. care still. You're right. Yeah, people are like rolling up their sleeves or they're like, if the sleeves aren't tight enough, they're, uh, the sleeves aren't tight enough. They're really like, why are your sleeves so loose? Uh, you know? And it's like, Oh my God, why do you care? Why do you care? Please stop. Um, <laughs> And I, yeah, I would definitely change that because it's very inconvenient. Um, like, especially on a ta- in a tactical sense, like, uh, it traps it traps your body heat inside. Uh, like everyone, I, I see people walking around in, in their OCPs and they have like the wizard sleeves. It's like very loose, and they'll be complaining about how it's hot, and I'll be like, Yeah, it is. It is pretty hot out. But if you have your sleeves rolled up, then the airflow is cut off. Uh, even if they're even if they're somewhat loose, like they're still somewhat tight on your mm. arm, so the airflow is cut off completely, and in, you know what happens? Then you just get giant, even bigger sweat stains on your armpits, and it's disgusting, and it sucks. Uh, so it doesn't make sense to it doesn't make sense for like heat prevention. Uh, two, when you go on deployment, anyway, you roll you you roll down your sleeves, mm. you know, to protect your arms from like to protect your arms from the elements. Uh, or like getting scraped up or anything, so it doesn't make sense in a deployed environment. So even in Yuma, Arizona, you have to walk around and just get sunburned on their arms. Pretty much, yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, it's it's there's a clause in the uniform order that says uh, rolling sleeves can be uh, uh, halted per the commander's discretion, but typically the commanders don't really make those kinds yeah. of decisions. Uh, they don't want to explain it. I get it. Yeah, they, they don't explain it or they, they're dealing with other stuff that's more important. So we're talking yeah. about Marine Corps commanders. Here's something that I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. What is, I know you don't deal with much of our officer commanders here, but yeah. as far as just enlisted leadership, what's the difference between senior enlisted leadership in the Air Force and senior enlisted leadership in the Marine Corps? Senior enlisted leadership in the Air Force is, they're slightly they're very, they're very, very similar, honestly. Okay. Um, although I think uh, senior enlisted leadership in the air, in the Marine Corps are much more gung ho. Uh, what does gung ho mean? Like much more motivated and and enthusiastic about their positions. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's weird. Like if you if you speak to I, the way I speak to, uh, or the way that I've noticed that senior enlisted in the Air Force speak, they they talk and sound a lot like you know, normal people, regular dudes. Uh, but it's weird in the Marine Corps because, like, in the Marine Corps, when you reach a certain level of senior enlisted leadership, you are expected to, obviously you're expected to act differently and you're expected to pull a different standard of behavior. And some people, like, get so into it. It's like playing, a, it's almost like playing a role. Like, you get so into playing that role, like, you become that person. It's like method acting almost. Like, 
it's it's really weird. Uh, the way a the way, um, the way a corporal or a sergeant might act as a person is different from the way a gunnery sergeant might act. Like, it's it's hard to explain, but you have to see it for yourself. They're very like, uh, Marine Corps, and their their voice sometimes changes. Their voice physically changes. Like, uh, maybe it's from drill instructor duty, like the way they talk. Um, the things they think about, the way they carry themselves out of uniform. Like, you can go from, you know, wearing T-shirts and a short as a as a normal, regular uh, enlisted Marine to being, like, senior enlisted, and now suddenly, now suddenly you're wearing a button-up and slacks and walking around and walking around in New Balance sneakers. I don't know. Yeah, That's interesting. I know a, a chief select, Chief Keo, he's a fire chief. Uh, mm-hmm. He invited me to his going away this Friday. If I have time, I'm going to go. And I'm, I want to make you come just so you can meet this dude. But he is himself, man. He wears like shirts, t sh- like sh- shirts and shorts. He's a chief. He wears yeah. a backwards hat. Like he mm. just, he's himself. And so it's interesting because I could see that. Yeah. I could see how the Marine Corps culture does that. Mm-hmm. But they don't, do they hang out with you guys as much? An E8, no, E7? Definitely not. Yeah. Not. I think that's something that's yeah. an interesting difference. That is the, that is a big difference. I should have, I should have started with that. Cause that's probably the biggest difference. Like, uh, a lot of people have told me like, it's, it's just particularly Kunsan. The that way, is true. the way things are, the way things are here. Uh, but I've, you know, had the experience of like, you know, sitting down and sharing drinks with senior enlisted and, uh, and a couple officers, uh, every now and then too. And it's like, that's something I'm not used to at all, uh, coming from the Marine Corps. Like, the way, the the way it would look if uh, if I was sitting down sharing drinks with my gunny back in Okinawa, that'd be very suspicious. Mm. Uh, and if we were at like a public bar or something, that people would people's prying eyes would see, and uh, that is not that would not be okay. It would what basically about, be fraternization. What about like at a going away? Like at a go at a going away, it's different. Okay. Um, so there are moments. Sure. Yeah, there are there are, but moments. not every Friday night. Yeah, not every Friday night. Not not. There's no like, there's no hooch anywhere else. There's no squadron bar yeah. at, at a Marine Corps base. Do you think um, that's good or bad? Having that boundary between senior and sometimes, yeah. Um, sometimes they're not, then, huh? Yeah, sometimes not. Uh, like in the case of in the case of when it's good, uh, having that boundary, it allows senior leaders to retain a certain image uh, of power and authority. Um, because if you don't see them outside of work, the only the only manner in which you see them is at work in uniform, behaving a certain way, and you associate that you associate that identity with their whole being. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see them outside of work, uh, and you and share, you're sharing drinks with them and all that stuff, then uh, people who don't know how to separate work and play will unconsciously begin to blend the two blend the two identities together, and then a difference. And then in different social settings, they may get those identities confused. Like, uh, like Sergeant Diaz is Sergeant Diaz is a good example. I, if I was to imagine he was my imagine he was my gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps or something, if I was to uh, get work and play confused and treat him differently uh, at work because I shared drinks with him outside, um, then that wouldn't be good. That would be breaking the chain of command. Uh, but if instead, if I had never seen him outside of work, then I wouldn't be able to, to you know, try and rub elbows, rub elbows with him and act like he was my boy or something, you know. Yeah, I do know. Yeah, 
It, it is a it is a fine line to walk. Yeah, you really got to know that difference between work and play. Yeah, and you uh, you need to make sure that in this in the military in general, you need to make sure that you don't cross that line or you don't get things mixed up. You know, because there can be consequences to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's interesting. I, you know, only being an Air Force guy, I think when I meet Marines and Army people, they're like, yes. especially since I've been at E seven, when I meet mm-hmm. E fives, E fours, they're they just act differently. Yeah, and it's like, well, I don't know, really know how to respond to this because that's not normal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but even like, look at us, E seven, E five, we're wearing these stupid hoodies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you gotta like, have you gotta have some sort of like individual identity, you know. Yeah. But still, you can't let you can't let the military become your whole identity. That's not a good thing. Uh, you have to be you have to be your own person. Yeah, yeah. Like the mer- they always say, the military is a lifestyle, not a not a job, not just a job. Uh, at the same time, however, you still have to remember the the name that's on the right side of your chest because uh, you you kept that name with you since birth. You only got you only got the uh, branch of service like several years ago. For me, it's in the case of me, it's six years. How long have you been in the Air Force? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah, you only got you only put U.S. Air Force on twelve years ago, but you've been John Taisu, and I've been Morgan Weibel for. 24 years you've been John Tyson for however many 31. years. 31. Yeah. When's your birthday? Like, yeah. My birthday is April 4th. Oh, shit. So you just turned 24. Yeah, just turned 24. You are, I think, you are the youngest person. I think it was Langford who's 20, he turned 24 in like March, I think. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. The youngest, you know, the 14 humans on here. Well, when we're done, you'll be number 14. Yeah. That's crazy, man. That's insane. Yeah. But. All right. Let's talk about how has the Air Force made you better? The Air Force has made me better because it's taught me to be. It's taught me to be a bit more independent, more independent, taking care of myself. Like again, going back to those, going back to those things, those standards that I have to uphold mm-hmm. on my own. Like I have to do that on my own. There's nobody watching over me. Uh, they always say, "Do the right thing even when no one's watching." Yeah. I could have had the. Ch- I had the choice to like, you know, basically become <laughs> fat and nasty while I was here, uh, but I didn't, and uh, I didn't want to be like that. So it taught me to be more independent and like take care of myself uh, in many ways. Yeah. Um, and it made me care more. It made me care even more about air traffic control. Like coming from Fatenma, Fatenma is a very slow base. They don't have a lot of ops going on. Kadena is primarily the base that uh, has a lot of operations at its core. That's Air Force. Yeah. Yep. Kadena is the Air Force base, and then Fatenma is ten minutes south of it. Surprised Marines don't go to Kadena. It's right there. Uh, it would take way less work. Yeah, well, Kadena's GCA actually burned down, um, and the arrival function at Kadena is taken over by Naha, yep. Naha Airport. Yeah, so the... But even sending you guys to the tower uh, is like an option. Yeah, well, if, you see, the thing with that is is that, like, Fatenma has its own tower, so they don't really want to deal with that. Like, they, I think, I think they would see that as, like, a redundancy, almost. Mm. Yeah. So they don't send people over to the tower there, Put and they're not familiar with the Send me program. to Okinawa. I'm going to make something happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm or thinking. I get Weibel over here, and yeah. I'll send my least favorite person over. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the best Air Force representative. <laughs> yeah. I was low-key thinking about that. Like, yeah, I should, I should talk to the leadership and get them to send people to Kadena to train over there. Yeah, sounds like yeah. It. If they can get moves to Korea, yeah. I'm jealous that we, like, we get two of yours. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could send one over. 
Yeah. How cool would that be? That'd be really good. Although I think that person, I think whoever gets sent over would be, would be less of a student and more of a teacher. You think so? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Like the way you guys, the way you guys care about air traffic control uh, is so, you guys care about air traffic control so deeply um, that you guys would have more to teach us than we would have, than we would be able to teach you. I think. That's interesting you think that, yeah. but also think how competent and empowered and happy Mm. That that's the satisfaction that person would feel going there and like, whoa, I'm the expert now. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, E5 would be like, whoa, I'm teaching all these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like an even better reason to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd definitely, definitely keep that in the books as an idea to bring back to Okinawa. If you, when I get to Fairchild, I hear they're overmanned there. I don't know that. I hear that. Overmanned. I been there. Well, not overmanned, but have more manning than the rest of the Air Force. Yeah. Maybe... You get you get your gunny to buy in. Mm-hmm. I I don't think Captain Hur's the in charge of that place, but whatever captain who is who is the captain out there? Uh, at flight commander Fatenma. Yeah, uh, that's. I don't know who commands the station, or I don't know who the captain is over at station, but I know the co- the captain at the detachment. Well, regardless, that is, person, uh, Captain Engel, maybe that's something to be considered. Yeah. Like to send someone over, we get one. Because mm-hmm. I think it's cool to work with you guys, just seeing how you do things differently. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. Ch- I know Chief Clark was talking about was talking about getting people sent over to was getting Air Force people PCS over to Marine bases. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one in Saint Miramar, Yuma, and somewhere in North Carolina. I don't know what the bases yeah. are out there. Miramar is a good Miramar is a good base to go to. Although they don't have much radar uh, experience, I don't think they I don't think they have a rival. Or approach. So they definitely don't have approach. So Southern California Tracon takes over the approach function. How far is Miramar from San Diego? I think it's like within the city limits. That's where I want to go. Yeah. (laughs) Really nice city. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. (laughs) (gasps) Yeah. You stay classy. Yeah. yeah, Miramar is a really nice base. When I was stationed at Pendleton... Uh, at Camp Pendleton, California, it was uh, an hour north of San Diego, and it was two hours away from home. it was two hours away from LA. So I was very, very close to home. I'd go there like every other week. I would go home like every other weekend whenever I got That'd tired of cool. being a Marine. Yeah. Who would you say? Obviously, obviously, your favorite food is ramen. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Who would you say out of your six years of military experience now that you've been with two branches, mm-hmm. best mentor? Who are they, and why? What made them special? Best mentor. Gunnery Sergeant Christopher Moore. Okay. Um, he's pretty much been with me since he's pretty much been with me since the beginning of my career. Uh, he was the crew chief when I got to Camp Pendleton. Okay. And I, he was actually the uh, operations chief over at uh, over at Max Four um, before I got sent when I when I was getting sent out here. Mm-hmm. So be, he saw me. He was able to see me. Uh, grow uh, as a as a person and as a marine um, from the very from pretty much the very beginning, uh, and he's taken he's taken a lot of effort in order to get me like trained up and get me ready uh, and just like helping me be a help me be a better dude. I remember a lot my first interaction with him. It was he was a this guy's like physically like swole. Mm. He's big. Uh, it's very scary. Yeah. Um, and he's also got a he's also got a martial arts background too, and uh, you can see that in the way he carries himself. Like he's not a guy you want to mess with. Um, and he was like, I remember I was sitting in the in the training office, 
uh, with him and my best friend, Pena. We were both private first classes at the time. And he was in there. He was, very, he was being very, like, very, very stern and uh, and intimidating, like, asking us a bunch of these questions. Um, and he was like, his final question for us was, like, who's going to get qualified first? It's going to be you or you, Pena. Or you, Weibel. And I was like, I'll get qualified first. Uh, he was like, will you? I'd like to see that, you know? So he always he always expected a lot from us uh, because he knew was, because I think he knew that we were capable of it. It's interesting, like just having someone, ex, ex, someone that you kind of admire expect something from you makes you want it even more. Yeah, yeah. You want, it makes you want it. When you admire that person who's expecting something from you, you want to do it even more because you want to, you want to impress that person and do it and do it because of, do it because you want to earn their respect. Uh, so he had us he had us work very very hard, and we did. Myself and myself and my best friend Pena, we worked extremely hard as junior Marines to get certified as fast as possible under him, uh, and it helped it. He helped a lot. Uh, he got me like very interested. He was he was one of the ones who like cemented my interest in in physical fitness okay. uh, and working out. Um. So he influenced me there. He influenced me like he influenced me to be a diligent marine. He influenced me to prioritize fitness. He influenced me to uh to just be a, a better person. Like he's a uh. He's a very straightforward human being uh, who has his own interests outside of the Marine Corps. That's something I took from him. Like I was earlier, we were talking about like having your own identity outside yeah. of the uniform. He has his own identity outside of the uniform. He he like he loves to he loves to develop games and like develop software for games and That's and cool. refurbish yeah and refurbish uh, old game consoles and and sell them online and like it's a big hobby of his. In addition to like lifting and and uh, he used to do he used to do like Muay Thai and stuff and martial arts. Uh, he's not really so much active in it anymore. But like those were some of his interests outside of work, and uh, I took that from him and applied it to my own life. Like I have my own interests as well outside of work, outside of being a marine. It's not my whole identity, and uh, I think that's something that everybody should take with them. Yeah, and he's also he was also just a very very good leader in general. Like, uh, I have it written up there, but it says JJ did tie buckle, uh, and it's an acronym. It stands for justice, judgment, decisiveness, integrity, uh, dependability, tact, initiative, endurance. I'm, I'm listing off a lot of stuff here. Yeah, go bearing, unselfishness, courage, knowledge, loyalty, and enthusiasm. So those are 14 leadership traits that that all Marines have. And if I could think of one person who embodies all of those things, it would be him. Is he still E seven? Uh, he was actually an E six when I first met him. Oh. He was staff sergeant. He was staff sergeant more when uh, I first met him as my crew chief. Uh, he got promoted to he got promoted to E seven at around like early two thousand eighteen. Okay. Yeah, and he's he's still an E seven right now. Okay. Um, it takes a while. Yeah. It takes a while to get promoted. Uh, when you're when you're that high up in the Marine Corps on the enlisted side, at least. Is he still in Fatima? Yep. He's uh he's the uh. Headquarters and headquarters squadron uh, staff non-commissioned officer in charge right now. Okay. So he's dealing a lot. He's dealing a lot with like 
he's basically the same thing as he's basically chief Clark, essentially. That's cool. He's basically the chief controller over there. Uh, well, Chief Clark is the chief controller in like three other more important jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's got a lot of hats if to wear. Sergeant Moore is that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but yeah. I would say when uh, Yui Hara gets to Okinawa, mm-hmm. you got to make those two meet up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those two are. Uh, you put those two minds together, and they can make yeah. something great. Yeah, they're good dudes. Yep. So uh, that this is usually my final question. We don't have to end it. We're only ninety minutes in, so we still have a good forty minutes. But yeah. something I always like to ask, and we've led into it now that I've thought about Yui Har and I've brought up other people, Chief Clark, and mm. it's what I call is building the perfect air traffic controller, where we take your best five from different categories. Yeah, yeah. And the five categories. Here's what they're going to be. It's going to be best air traffic controller, most book smart, mm-hmm. the nicest, best natural leader. Yeah. And then if you could have someone follow you around for the rest of your air traffic control career from the beginning to the end, who would mm-hmm. it be? So starting with the best air traffic controller in your six years, who is it? The best air traffic controller in my six years. Uh, oh, man. See, I wrote someone up there, but when you said six years uh, throughout my whole career, I'd have to change my answer. I think, mm. yeah, the best controller... Uh, would probably be going to resource him more. Like I've seen him control, and he's a he's absolutely amazing. Great leader, great person, great controller. That's, yeah, that's he's got. He's, why didn't he join the Air Force? He's got all three. Well, he's a badass. <laughs> <laughs> not saying you guys are not. Yeah, but he's like he's hardcore. Yeah. He's hardcore man. Um, no, he's a really he's a phenomenal controller. Was he your trainer? Yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah, he's he's just so knowledgeable about air traffic control, and his his experience and his techniques are just. They're, they are what got me certified, uh, and the, his his training was what helped me. Was help, he helped me stay away from getting washed out, basically. It's awesome. I'd yeah. like to meet this guy. You should. I hope you do one day. Yeah, he's a really good dude. Get to Japan. It's yeah. quick. He's mm-hmm. got to be on his way out soon. Yeah. Uh, That's a good pick. So you sounded mm-hmm. like you had someone else prepared to pick. Who would you have picked? Uh, it was going to be... JS Josh Smith. Oh shit! Yeah, I know that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good dude. Um, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say him, uh, because he's he's much the same way. Like I've seen him control, and his techniques for controlling are just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, like uh, it was most apparent to me when I watched him, um, when I watched or when he was helping me do like arrival and approach sims at Kunsan, um. He was his tips and stuff were very very good, you know, like him acting as my assist and get helping me out and coaching me. Uh, help the simulations run a lot smoother, and I could. He basically saved the day in several sims that I ran, and watching him in live traffic is isn't very much the same. Like his experience level is just out of this world. That's awesome, yeah. Especially because that dude got here like four months after you, so he made a quick impression on you for you to pick him. You know. Oh yeah, it's so, funny. His first. Im- the first impression I had of him was that he was a very, very goofy, wacky dude. Um, <laughs> because, like, as soon... I could as, see that. Well, yeah. I like that dude a lot. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, because as soon as I saw him, like... As soon, or as soon as he saw me, he walks in. He walks into the IFR room and he starts talking to Yui, uh, who's on the soup desk, and then he sees everyone else. And then his eyes, like... His eyes turn towards me and he, like, does... Do- he does a double take and he's like... <laughs> he looks huh? different. Yeah, he's, like, rubbing his eyes and shit, like... Am I seeing what I'm seeing right now? Is is that a Marine standing before me? And I'm just <laughs> looking back at him like, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> are you on drugs? Sir? Yeah. <laughs> and then he's, and then I, you know, give him the good old like, hey, how's it going? I'm Sergeant Weibel. And he's like, 
It's like Sergeant Smith. Nice to meet you. Yeah. You're a Marine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just like, he just, I got to figure this yeah, out. Yeah. What are you doing here? Uh-huh. It was so funny. That's just, his his mannerisms just, his mannerisms just get me. He's, he's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that guy, we're both readers and like a few times we've just went on like a bro date off base just to read a book and like not even talk. We're just at a coffee shop together reading our own book. That is adorable. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to yeah. put it. But that's uh-huh. our thing. I, I'll never see him again. Oh, uh, well, yeah. since he went on his mid tour, he I did. Will. Yeah. Yep. Damn it! I'm never going to see him again either. Good thing we have him on. Ooh, maybe he gets back. I think on the thirtieth. So on the 30th. maybe you could go to his hotel room and see him if you really want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have, you have opportunity. Maybe on the first, but you you will have a small window. True, true, true. I ask you, who is the most book smart air traffic controller you've ever met? Who would you pick and why? That would be Sergeant Jesse Bram. Oh, he's, oh, okay. uh, he was my trainer. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a very, very knowledgeable and intellectually, uh, intellectually primed uh, airman. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's talking about. hundred percent. You know, you can argue uh, any lesser airman could argue could argue the book with him all day and he'll he'll run circles around them you know um and he was he was my crew chief when i got here and he his instruction was uh his instruction and his motivation was primarily what helped me get through uh the first couple blocks of training you know and his uh his tendency to provide uh constructive criticism he really He's really good at that yeah. because he can he can quote the he can throw the book at you uh, without making you feel like an idiot. He doesn't make it awkward either. He doesn't make it awkward. No, you feel like you genuinely feel like you're learning something. It doesn't feel like you're just getting like you're just getting crapped on. You know, if you actually feel like you actually feel like you're conducting real training. Yep. You know, instead of hearing like you fucking stop. You know, because there are trainers out there who are like that, and it's not fun to have those kinds of trainers. Fortunately, I don't haven't haven't met anyone like that here. I think most of the trainers here are pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's at Air Force. I think people just kind of adopt to what other people around them are doing. Yeah. So like, if no one's being an asshole. Don't be an asshole. If yeah. someone's being an asshole, someone's probably like, "Yeah, why the fuck are you being an asshole?" Yeah, yeah. We have a good environment at work. We we really do. Hope uh, it stays that way. Me too, man. Me too. Yeah, I'm glad you picked Jesse for mm-hmm. for that. I dude, I miss that guy. He was solid. He was. I made this joke once. Uh, Long story. If I try to repeat the whole joke, but you know Kiara Fraser, KB. Mm-hmm. I was taught. I was listing off good traits about every tech sergeant here, and first Jesse Bram B is before F, so Bram Fraser B was before F. I wrote yeah. Jesse Bram, great controller, knows all the books, nice guy, well disciplined, well mannered. Not a better dude for ready for promotion. Mm-hmm. I talked about the other people, then I got to F Fraser, and I was like, well, all I wrote was. Just like JB, but without a penis. <laughs> They're like the same person. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> the same person. Yeah, man. That's definitely, <laughs> that's definitely true. Uh, every, yeah, because everything, everything good that I could say about, about JB, uh, I would also be able to say about uh, KB. Yeah. Except that she doesn't, yeah, except that she doesn't have a penis and she, uh, she also doesn't play football. Jesse Graham does play does. football. Maybe she, yeah, maybe she does. <laughs> no, she didn't. Yeah. She didn't at Coonson. Yeah, she did not at Coonson. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. And it's cool you also acknowledge her because you guys were on opposite crews almost your entire time here. So yeah, but like, every yeah every interaction though that yep. I've had with her, uh, her leadership somehow just ends up showing through. Yeah, yeah I she, agree with that. She shines. Okay, yeah. so I think the next category is the 
nicest, nicest mm. person in your six years. Yeah. Uh, I'm sitting across from them right now. Yeah. <laughs> you are the nice, you are the nicest person I've met so far in my six years here. Thank um, you. Six years at Kunzan? Yeah, my, my bad, yeah. <laughs> six years in, six years uh, in the military. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the fact that I agreed to do this podcast to you is, should be, should be proof of that because like, uh, you're very easy to talk to. Um, you're very easy to talk to. I, I respect you as a, as a leader, uh, as a, as a master sergeant of airmen. And, but I also, um, feel like I can come to you mm. for a lot of, for anything, you know, uh, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of, I'm not afraid to do that. And I know that you're going to help me out. I know that you got my back if I ever need anything. And I really appreciate that. You're also you're also a really good conversationalist as well. This again, this this podcast is proof of that. You know, you don't really you don't really see that too much from uh, from senior leadership, uh, or from even from your peers. You know, it's 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 un, it's uncommon. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've uh, been picked a few times now mm-hmm. for these things. I haven't been picked for nicest yet, so that's good. Yeah. Courtesy. Then you're also yeah it's it's good but then it's also like that thing where like well nice guys finish last is this the one I want to get yeah. picked for but I, yeah. I am glad it is nice mm-hmm. to hear you think that of me mm-hmm. and I'm grateful you picked you could pick anyone so yeah. that is cool courtesy is an un- courtesy is an uncommon virtue yeah uh, and people should be more people should honestly be more courteous yep yeah. I think what I like to think of uh, when I'm trying to reflect like how did I get picked as the nicest is a there's this Colin Powell quote and I might mess it up but it's mm-hmm. like when when your people stop coming to you with their problems, it's because they've either lost respect for you as a leader or they've lost respect that you can help them. Yeah. It's like one of the two. And mm-hmm. so it is nice to like, I, I feel like I have to at least have this thing where like people know they can talk to me if they have a problem. Yeah. Cause if I'm not there, I mean, there's no one else there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to know that, you know, I, like, I guess that's not the ideal thing to get picked for. I am glad yeah. you picked me. I'm glad I made the list. Sometimes I'm not even on mm-hmm. this list. So thank you for that. Yeah. But yeah, like that's, that's what makes me feel good. Cause that's something I do try to do, like be accessible. Yeah. I've been putting effort towards it cause I wasn't all the time, especially when I was the Nancy, the training guy. I was just yeah. there. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, that is, that is definitely important. He, I think Colin Powell has got it spot on yep. because whenever, whenever I've had a, whenever I've had a leader that I just didn't respect, I was not going to bring my, I did not bring my problems to them. I did. Why not. would you? You know, yeah. Why would I want them to know anything about my life? They might even use it against me. Yep. They might use it to control me. That's good. And that's something, anyone who ever gets this far into our podcast, an hour and 45-ish minutes, mm-hmm. is I never would do that. Yeah. Like, you know, I just, I would never try to use something against mm-hmm. someone else. I'm just content. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, thank you for picking me for the nicest. That's, that's a new one. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe one day I'll have all five. I don't think I'll ever get... I guess I read books. I don't think I'll ever get book smart. I know just enough. Yeah. Maybe, 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 I'll, maybe I'll bribe someone to pick me for that one. one yeah. Day. Yeah. Here, here's 20 books. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next one is the best leader you've ever encountered in six years. Uh, the best leader I've ever encountered in six years. Which sucks. Sergeant Moore sounds like a good pick from what you said, but you yeah, can't man. pick the same person yeah, no, twice. I can't. Uh, so now you got to go with either. Yeah. I had some. I had the person up there, uh, but I mean, their their position uh, is a little bit more far removed from from uh, my daily duties. Mm-hmm. Although I would, the person I put up there is uh, 
Master Sergeant Diaz. Ed he? Diaz? Edwin Diaz, oh, yeah. Well, you're going to talk about him even if you switch your pick. You're yeah. Still, I, let's I am, talk about both picks now. Uh, I, w- I will say this about him. He, the way he talks about leadership, he understands some very basic, he understands some very basic fundamentals about uh, what it means to be an actual leader. Like, mm-hmm. again, going back to that, going back to that uh, acronym, JJ Detai Buckle, he's a just leader. He knows he knows how to uh, reward good behavior and punish bad behavior. He has standards, uh, judgment. Again, he he knows when to apply force and when to uh, and when to care for his airmen. Uh, decisiveness. He knows when to make a decision. Mm-hmm. He can. He knows when to make a decision, and he will execute that decision once he makes it. It will get done. Integrity. He, have you ever met a man? He's never lied. That's it's as simple as that. He never lies. Uh, have to write that one down. Yeah, Keep I've never, or at least I've never caught him in a lie. You know, I c- I don't think I ever could. I don't think I'd be able to, because uh, he just doesn't do it. Dependability. He's very dependable. He's always getting he's always getting the job done. At, he gets the job done as the nam, mm-hmm. and whenever he's needed in a position or as a supervisor, he's there. Yep. You know, very dependable. Tact. He is very tactful, both with people above and below him. He knows how to approach uh, an airman who may be out of regulations. Like, again, he has standards, right? You know, he can come up to you and say, he can come up to you and say, airman, you're you're breaking a standard. You need to fix yourself without, like, without offending that airman uh, to the point where they just lose respect for him, you know? A lot of a lot of senior leaders in the Marine Corps do not have any tact. Yeah, yeah, they have zero tact. Like, like they try to call you out on something, and they're like, "Why the fuck is your fucking shave not correct, Marine?" Blah blah blah. You need to go fucking fix yourself, you nasty little creature. Like that's not tactful at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he do, and he does not do that. He understands. He understands the the proper way to approach a situation, especially if it's one that needs correcting. Initiative. He always takes the initiative. During KFT, during KFT, that was a he was a prime example of that. Like the way he controlled uh, the final push and arrival on the day yeah. shift was. Yeah, he could have sat out. Yeah, he could have sat out, but he was there. He took the initiative, and it was something to behold. His controlling abilities are are insanely good. He has bearing, um, for that's for sure. He does not lose his mind to position again during KFT. He did not freak out once. Unselfishness, like he. Uh, he bought a CAC trip and he had to work that weekend and uh, he literally just gave gave me the tickets for free. He allowed me to go on that trip and I didn't have to pay him back at all. That's that's cool. Yeah. He never told me about that. I hang out with him. He never told me. He is such a unselfish dude and he's really awesome. Uh, courage. Courage is a little harder to, it's a little harder to talk about because when we think of courage, we always think of like the physical courage that it takes to survive in combat. But uh, none of us have been to combat, so we can't really speak to that. Speak to that. But he has he has moral courage. He has moral courage to say what this is the right thing to do, and then he will enforce that standard. Uh, so he has he has courage in that respect. He has moral courage, and he has uh, mental courage. He's got mental toughness. You know, you can see that. You can even see that in his physicality. Like he's been on this new workout program recently. And he's getting he's getting swole, and he he's getting swole. He's fit, and he wants to uh, 
you can see that in the way that he carries himself. He's spreading that he's spreading that knowledge to other people. Like he's always inviting people to come work out with him and come run with him. Uh, doing that, being that dedicated to to your physical fitness takes courage. Uh, being physically fit is not just it says a lot about you as a person. It's a status symbol, um, and he 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 has that uh, loyalty. He's very loyal. He's a loyal friend. He's uh, he's loyal to his country, and he demonstrates that every day by showing up to work and serving his country. Uh, and he's loyal to his friends. He's loyal to the people that he serves, his airmen and his Marines. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants us to be the best that we can be, and he wants to see us succeed. Yeah. 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 And uh, last one, last one is enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Uh Actually, I might have skipped endurance. He has endurance. You know, he can get through anything. Uh, but enthusiasm, he's very enthusiastic. He, the day of my arrival certification, he uh, he and I were talking and we were debriefing what had happened and he was explaining it. And he's got this huge, he's got a huge passion for what he does. Uh, even if it might be like kind of boring, you know, like, um, <laughs> not saying the NAM dudes are totally boring, but like some of it, like some of it was, uh, didn't, wasn't like very uh, stimulating mentally, but he does it anyway. He's very enthusiastic about it because he knows that it, it matters and it's important. And uh, he takes it very seriously. Uh, and he, that's how he demonstrates his enthusiasm, especially for air traffic. He's yeah. very enthusiastic about being the best air traffic controller that he can be. So he's like really all around the best leader. Yeah, I, I don't know who your next pick was, but I think that's the guy to go with. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. can't list all Screw that about a second guy. Yeah, <laughs> be too Screw the next pick. Sergeant right. Moore would have been the second pick is my guess. Yeah, probably. All right, let's go with the last uh, thing is you could pick one controller and they're going to follow you around for the rest of your career. Who are you picking? Yui. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I call Daniel Yui Hara. And, and look at that. You're going to go to Okinawa together. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Like I saw that question, I was like, it's already... F- <laughs> the prophecy has already been fulfilled. He's coming to Okinawa. He's What's going this to guy do that you like so much? He's just, uh, he is, he's, he, you know, he probably would have been the second pick for a leader uh, mm. because he's got those qualities as well. Yep. Um, and he is also just a good person. He's a family man. Yep. Uh, he, he loves his wife. He loves his kids. Um, he is a true leader of airmen and now a true leader of, a true leader of Marines because he led, he got me and Arachi through the rest of the training program. After, after JB went to the uh, went to the NSE office and uh, started doing his work there, um, or no, when he became the assistant chief controller, uh, he he kind of got removed from like uh, the daily operations of A crew. Mm-hmm. But Yui took over, and it was like he didn't skip a beat. He was just right there. He was on it, and um, he's he sets the example every day. Uh, he works out constantly. He is um, funny. He's he's hilarious, man. His jokes and he's his jokes are hilarious. He laughs at everything. Um, he can laugh at he can laugh at some at some uh, pretty shitty situations. He can find he can find the humor in shitty situations, and he can turn around. He can turn everyone's frowns upside down. Uh, he has the ability to do that. He's a pleasant guy to be around, and. He takes care. He takes care of us. You know, he looks after us like we're his children. It's crazy. Um, whenever myself 
or any of the other airmen are going through a hard time, he's there to listen to us and he's there to motivate us. Um, and that is the kind of that is the kind of person I want to follow, or I want to see. If, or yeah, that's the kind of person I want to follow somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't. I, I'm a big fan of Yui too. He definitely helps me do my new job by just being that effective, getting yeah. people to do what, he, what we need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he handles he handles things at his level, man. Yeah. Like he doesn't he doesn't let everything just just like pass through him and go and go to the highest levels when they don't need to be. You know, he handles things at the lowest level possible. Yep. Like I imagine that as a as an assistant chief controller, there's you're you're high enough up that you don't want to have to deal with like the smallest day to day things that that might go wrong. You know, because then you only have you only have so much that you can deal with at one time. You know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I'm experiencing that, and UE is helping me not have to do that. Mm-hmm. He's helping me do what I need to do. So I I'm grateful for that, dude. Same yeah. with KB and Turner, who's also been a crew boss recently. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest, man. That's a uh, yeah, that's a good pick. I like all five of those picks. Thank you for picking me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, man, that's so. Those are all the things that I could think of to ask you. But if mm-hmm. you have things you still want to talk about, we got about ten minutes left of record time here. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, what are your favorite foods? Crab legs, number one. Mm-hmm. Ice cream's up there, but I'm starting to get away from sweets, and I know what that does to my body, so I don't eat ice cream as much. Yeah. Crab legs, number one. Let's see. I guess, yeah, all you need is number one. Number one. <laughs> yeah. I guess ramen today. Yeah, ramen is, ramen <laughs> is up there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've actually only eaten crab legs once. How do you even eat crab legs that well? Like, like you have, you have to, like, you have to break the leg, uh, yeah. the shell, don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. So there's, yeah. you're in Korea. We're both in Korea for, like, less than 14 more days. Yeah. Both of us. Less than that. Crabs here are so expensive. However, they're so good. Yeah. That if you're willing to drop... About a hundred dollars on a meal tonight with a swap from ramen oh my to God. that. Yeah, maybe maybe not, dude. I gotta, <laughs> we'll stick I gotta, with three dollar ramen. Yeah, I got I got to freaking uh, save my money. Yeah. Got a family to start. Mm-hmm. That per diem is finally stopping. So, but you were getting per diem out here. Yeah, I was. I was getting like seventeen fifty a day. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That's, that's was, a good chunk. That adds up. It does. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I was leaving like. I was leaving with like a thousand extra dollars every month. Yeah. In my paycheck, and I was just like throwing it into savings and stocks. Good move. Yeah. It's really, it was really nice. Yeah, I got like, honestly, I got way richer out here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> did you get cola as well? You know. Uh, yes, I did. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you got, you get that in Japan as well. I was, yeah, I was already kind of used to that. It helped out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great. That is cool. Mm-hmm. What you got? Um, I gotta say, uh, on the topic of favorite foods, mm-hmm. uh, what would be your favorite? You said ice cream was your favorite, right? Uh, Crab well. legs, sushi's up there. Ice yeah. cream's also up there. Yeah, so. I wrote. I wrote. Uh, I didn't write down sushi, but that should be up there. Yeah. I put. I put ramen, curry. Ramen is obviously up there because you know, like, duh. <laughs> look yeah. how cool we look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Uh, curry, specifically, uh, curry from Kokoichi Banya. It's just okay. like really popular. It's just really popular Japanese chain. Uh, I've had it. Kokos. Yeah. Mm, so good. Yeah. Oh my god. And they have like they have restaurants in in uh, in California mm-hmm. and in in Thailand, Korea, and obviously Japan. Like, America's not the only one that goes international. Yeah, other places are figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, yeah. obviously, if Coco's yeah. has gone international, other yeah, places yeah. are realizing there's profit to be made. There yeah, is man. a curry place, Sweet India. Have you ever been there? It's not I as have. good. It's Indian and not Japanese. Yeah, but it ain't bad. I have. Yeah, I have been there, and I. Uh, 
that's why I put just curry uh, as my fa- as one of my favorites because uh, I've had I've had multiple types of curry. I've had Thai curry. I've had I've had Indian curry and I've had Japanese curry. Yep. Uh, I've had Japanese curry the longest because there was the cocos that was near my high school. It's like two blocks away from there. Oh shit! So I've been eating cocos since high school. I I discovered it bef- long before what anyone else. What spice level do you get? Uh, I usually get spice level five. Is five the same in California as it is in Japan? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's just this culture difference yeah. that fucks me whenever yeah. I move around. Yeah, man. Uh, well, how like the t- the three when I was in high school used to fuck me up. Three yeah. out of ten. Yeah. I was taking out that I was taking this when I was in high school. I was taking this uh this Korean girl on a date. She was uh she had emigrated from South Korea and uh, her name was her name was Grace Kang. She's really 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 cute. Um and. I got to like she and I she and I started talking because we were like getting into arguments together in government class and uh I guess we I guess that kind of brought us brought us closer to each other but I had a kind of a crush on her and I invited her to Coco's cuz like oh Coco's is like Japanese so like maybe she's maybe as a Korean she'll like enjoy Asian food you know um I know how ignorant how, <laughs> how ignorant of me that made sense yeah it she made said a, yes yeah she said oh, yes and she enjoyed out. it yeah uh, but she probably liked the company more than the food I think so. I at least I hope I, yeah. ho- I I hope that she did. Um, but I totally messed up because I was trying to impress her and I ended up getting a level eight. And you idiot! I know. I <laughs> like, totally you know when I go when up. I was a kid when I would go yeah. bowling and they would ask your shoe size. I'm like eight and a half, but I'm yeah. ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would always do that. Yeah. Just struggle. <laughs> you're just like you're just clogging. Like around. they actually cared what number I said. Yeah, ten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my th- that was my mode of thinking, and I was like, "She's gonna care. She's gonna validate my manhood on, yeah. on the <laughs> my spice, spice intake yeah. capabilities." <laughs> yeah, and I got the level eight, and and I totally messed up because it messed it messed with my my body so bad. Did I you was like, it? "I finished." No, I finished about like half of it because I could barely st- I could barely stand the spice, and I like, "Oh God, I died." And then she made fun of me for it later on. Would she get a one? <laughs> yeah, she got like a one. I think yeah. Yeah. Can we go live 50 50? Yeah. Should have, I should have met her somewhere in the middle. Like, I'll get a four, you get a four or something. You still talk to Grace? Uh, no, we don't talk anymore. Yeah. We don't really talk that's anymore. Normal. Yeah. Six years ago. And yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what happens when you when you graduate high school. You, mm-hmm. you stop talking to a lot of people that you uh, that you once used to talk to. Um, but like, she follow we follow each other on social media and she's she seems to be doing well. You know, she's having fun. Uh, she went to. Last thing she did was, I think she went abroad recently for for college, and mm. she's been studying abroad in like Europe and stuff. That's exciting. Yeah, now maybe not with COVID. Traveling's not very fun. Yeah, maybe not with COVID. Yeah, although uh, I, whatever she's doing, I hope she's uh, doing well. Yeah, me too. You know, mm-hmm. hope that for everyone, dude. I do. I really do appreciate you coming on here. I'm glad we got it out. I'm glad we could like decipher the difference between someone's whole year of experience working with the Air Force. Yeah. Um, I wish Fraser started a book club. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have forced you to be a part of that because it's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we're both leaving, so you're out. Yeah, <laughs> we can't do it. Unfortunately. Uh, but yeah. other than that, man, like, dude, I'm glad we you're on here. We've got four minutes left till this thing cuts off. So anything you have left to say, get it out, and I'll hit the end button. Yeah. Man, what should I say? Yeah, whole four minutes. Actually, yeah. you got like six minutes and fifteen seconds. Oh, nice. That's mm. good. I gotta say, uh. When you're going, when you're going through your military career and it, and also in life in general, just make sure that you uh, prioritize 
your values as a person above all else. Because it doesn't matter if you are an admin an admin guy working at like, I don't know, MPF or CSS, or if you are MARSOC, Marine Special Ops, Marine Special Operations. It doesn't matter what title you have. It doesn't matter what you wear on your collar, uh, how much rank you have. All of those things are temporary. They all fall away. Um, and the only thing that really does matter is whether or not you were a good person and whether or not you had values. Uh, going back to going back to Marcus Aurelius' Meditations, that book was never meant to be published. It was his journal. It was his diary. He wrote it for himself. He wrote it so he could read it himself. Uh, and it just so happens that you know somebody found that somebody found that book and they published it. Uh, and now, an entire school of philosophy uh, praises the work of that man, that emperor. Um, and one of the most profound things that I took from that book was that a man is nothing without his virtues. You have to have virtues. You have to have morals and principles that you fight for and that you stand for and that guide you. Um, and you have to live up to them because people can say, people can say that they have certain morals, but if they don't act, if they don't act out those morals in life and if they don't hold true to them in their actions, uh, what they declare versus what they are may be, may be very different. So always, always be, uh, Always make a declaration of what your morals are, but audit yourself every day to see if you live up to them. Mm-hmm. You know, Chief Master Sergeant Ronnie Woods uh, is also on there. He's on there. Yeah, I'm sure he mentioned it during his podcast. But he, one of his one of his goals every day that he wakes up is to put a smile on somebody's face and make them happy. He said that. Yeah, if you can do that, if he does that, then he goes to sleep a happy man. He feels like he's done something. Um. And that doesn't have to be that doesn't have to be everybody's goal, but it's a it's a good example of one to have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, every day, just try to do just try to do the right thing, and if you don't know what the right thing to do is, look at look at your conscience. Maybe that will maybe that might tell you. And if you still can't figure out what that is, maybe you don't even if you don't even if you don't have a conscience, think about the way your actions might affect other people. Are you going to bring are you going to bring happiness to their lives or are you going to b- bring misery? You know, be the kind of guy that brings happiness to other people's lives. And make sure that, make sure that in their interactions with you, you don't make them feel poor. Yeah. Man, those are really good final words. Usually I try to do my own final, but I'm not even going to do that this time. That was really good. And if you got nothing left, you've still got about two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. You got anything else? No, I don't think so. All right, yeah. so here's my last request is we haven't looked at the camera together. I, th- I feel like a good thumbnail for the YouTube thing would be both of us like visibly showing these stupid ramen noodle things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hide all that. Let's just, mm-hmm. make, just look at this camera for like half a minute. Yeah. Not even half a minute. That's that's way too long. Just, yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm obviously selfishly, I'm going to pick whatever I look best in. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> look as good as you can. <laughs> All right, that's good. Any, everyone yeah. listening on Spotify or non-video people, got Morgan Weibel, mm-hmm. Sergeant of the Marines. Hey, dude, thanks for coming. Thank you so much. I'm glad I got that's to cool. share this tour with you. Yeah. I'm glad I got to share training time with you. Yeah. And I uh, hope the new Marines or corporals like it. I'm really glad I got to share this time with you, too. It's It's been an absolute honor, a huge privilege. And I don't say that 
I don't say that about everybody. Yeah. Yeah, but I made your top five. I know. Yeah. I feel yeah. good. <laughs> and I read what you said on my going away plaque, even though I told KB I wouldn't. I didn't read my plaque. She told me not to read what people wrote, but mm-hmm. I couldn't help but look over and I saw your initials. I was like, well, what did this guy just say? Yeah. And I read yeah. yours. I read hers because hers mm-hmm. was huge. Yeah. So, dude, I appreciate you coming on here. Um, this will be out. I'm only doing one. I'm posting one every week, so there should be enough. But mm-hmm. there should be one, that a podcast that comes out every week Yeah. until I land and get my shit set up in Washington, then mm-hmm. I can start again and hopefully continue it. So yeah. you've got about three weeks to wait till this one comes out. So mm-hmm. hopefully you can wait. But I, I appreciate can. it. And uh, yeah, let's go get some ramen. Let's do it. Morgan, that was really fun talking to you, dude. I'm going to miss you. I'm sad to leave Korea. If I could stay here for another year, I, I I probably would. And I know you said the same thing. Am I right? You would stay here if you could? Yeah, I definitely would. Yeah, it's been a really good experience so far. It has been a good experience. Thanks for talking to me. I appreciate two hours of your time. We got to get to Sergeant McLendon's going away. Yes, we do. Um, but if I could have you as the first person to close me out, what do you got? That's second. KB's done it. Yeah. Your, your second go. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on this podcast. Um, this is an... This is an awesome hobby that you have, and I, I really do wish you the best of you success do it with too. it. Oh, I might one day. Yeah, I might. It's fun. Yeah. Interviewing people is nice, and talking to them, talking to them about their personal life experiences, it's, uh, it's really, it's really fun to like learn about the what, the things that people have been through. Yeah, I think I get more joy just letting other people do it and hearing their own voice and like talking to someone that I'm actually interested. Yeah. So, dude, I appreciate you saying that. Thank but you so how much. do we close out these podcasts? Well. Have a Toasty Podcast <laughs> is finally on Apple Podcasts. In addition to Apple Podcasts, my current platforms are YouTube, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Breaker, and Anchor. Thanks. You get the last words. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I really appreciate uh, everybody that came and that came and listened to this podcast. And I do appreciate again. I do appreciate you, Sergeant Taisu, for for having me. Uh, my experience in Korea has really broadened my horizons, and I am so glad. To have had the leaders that I've had here in the past in the past six years of my enlistment, and I'm happy to share those experiences here on you with this podcast. So thank thanks you. For, thanks for saying that, man. Yep. Let's go get drunk. Let's go get drunk. Mm-hmm.